Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this is the story So Farscape. At the end of season three. Yes. Three whole seasons worth of Farscape have poured into into your brain in, uh, honestly, not a very long period of time. Two years now. Has it been two years? It has been. Yes, we have. It has been almost exactly two years. Oh. So we did the first two seasons we did in one year, and then the third season we strung out a little bit more. Oh, uh, that's right. We've so been, been taking our time. It's been two years. So uh, we haven't really discussed this format, which I thought was interesting. So I've been out and about uh, banging the drum and getting some interesting questions and thoughts from some of our uh, uh, beloved listeners uh, and doing some, some sort of global research. I've even got a little spreadsheet for us to enjoy. Oh, bam. How about you? Um, I just basically went through the last season and uh, thought about like which episodes I enjoyed most and why and uh, how they progressed. And, oh, uh, right, a little bit of character arcs as well. Yeah, just a little, yeah, little, little nice. bit of uh, yeah, just a little bit of recap for myself, basically, to be able to remember what all happened. Should have maybe done that myself. I guess I sort of leaned on the hubris of like I've seen it all. I've done all the preparation. <laughs> what are the odds that I forget an episode like Revenging Angel, which for some reason I couldn't remember the title of so many times. Uh, oh, worked out just now. Right, Revenging Angel, yes. Uh, yeah? I mean, you know what I'm like with names. Which episode was that? What, uh... Uh, that was the cartoony one. Oh, right, yes, yeah. yes, 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 that one. Now, maybe maybe we should start off uh, with a bit of scorekeeping, actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because you've made a bunch of wagers, like you, you, you made predictions on the regular, and we've sort of, you know, sort of lost track of that a little bit. Tapered out on those, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to revisit some of the ones that uh, uh, you had for season three. Okay, this is going to be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, starting back in season two, you predicted that maybe something was going to happen with Chiana and Jothi. Uh, and it sure did. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you only bet 20 points, so that's uh, 40 points one. You guessed in uh, the first episode of season one that the Interions, or Interions, yes. uh, jewel species, would play a role in the next episode. Yeah. And you did. So uh, I suppose, you doubled yeah. your 100 points on that. Um, Zan. Alas. No, no. What was my prediction for Zan? You correctly predicted that Zan's death will be drawn out. Right. Which I decided to sort of be generous uh, about and, like, actually include all the episodes where it was indeed drawn out as a, as a multiplier. Right. 750 points there. Ooh. Not so great that uh, Zan's cure was going to involve the Delvians. No. Well, yeah. That she was going to buy it, get planted, and we get a new 11th level Zan. Right, yes, I remember that one. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's f- fan fictions of that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I, I kind of thought that they were going to do a uh, Wrath of Khan, or what's, what's, which is the one that uh, Spock dies in, and then you have the... Oh, uh, the Search for Spock. Search yeah. for Spock, yes. Well, I kind of figured they would do something like that, you know, with her being uh, resuscitated on some planet or the other. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, alas. of course, it's like she left for reasons rather than... Uh, non-script reasons, basically. Yeah, so. yeah. Various accounts abound from, from various people, from David Kemper. Like, mm-hmm. he said that he would have loved to, to have her back, and the idea would be that she'd uh, she'd be planted and she'd go away for a few episodes, then she'd come back right, with there you go. Yeah. whatever hair she had would make that work. Um, oh, do a, do a Deep Space... Uh, no, Babylon deep space 5. Nine, you know, Babylon yes, 5, yes. Delenn. Delenn, that's the one. Yeah, because she, she wanted to grow her hair back out, and, uh, well, ultimately, like, Virginia Hay... Um, uh, uh, made a statement that it was uh, it was her decision and it was a hard one. Yeah, which I can understand. I can totally imagine that. 
You recognised Chlorium as one of the six forbidden cargoes in oh, three yes. seven. That <laughs> gave you ten bonus points for that. Um, you predicted in three oh seven. Which episode was that again? Come now, come now, come now. Thanks for sharing. That's the sort of Blade Runner planet. Yes, uh, where we see the Clarks for the first time. Uh, Talon had to starburst away to distract Zalax's. Uh, yes, uh, let's see the Goth party. Yep. Cool beer taps. What happened on that episode? Uh, uh, stick a lobster on my head. Right. Oh, that one, yes. Yeah, right. Oh, it was also the, yeah, that was the Forbidden Cargo one. Uh, and uh, you predicted that uh, Talon and Moya would be- meet back up in the next episode, 308. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, that's not happening. Not so much on that one, yeah. 308 was, oh, yeah, the Budong one, the green-eyed monster. It's where there's actual star charts uh, being uh, uh-huh. uh, mentioned. and that they <laughs> yeah. finally, Which I guess they finally did get around to putting to some use, because I noticed that a few times in this season there was actually a mention where, of star charts and information being gathered like that. Ah. And as we see in the uh, episode where... John is talking to Erin at the end, mm-hmm. and they're staring out the window, and he's like points out a star to her. I guess he figured out that, used oh. those star charts to figure out that that is must be Earth. Uh, or is he just? Oh, made, you it, misremember uh, that scene. Let me uh, correct you on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my uh, my my fanboy anorak mm-hmm. and just correct you very quickly. No, it's whenever you oh, write actually, something, use yeah, yeah, exactly. You see that one? That's that star right there, the bright one. It's my point of reference. My guide. And it always becomes the center of my chart. I always name it Aaron. Oh. But I guess he doesn't, you know, you don't have a frame of reference. I suppose not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most of the brightest stars are going to be galaxies, and they're going to look the same yeah. roughly from anywhere in your galaxy, right? Right. Okay, uh, I, I, for some reason I may remember that as him saying that that was, uh, uh, that that, he figured that must be where Earth was. Oh, interesting. No, yeah. I, I don't think he's figured it out. Scorpius did from his, uh, his memories. Oh, from obviously, Europe, yeah. Well, yeah. Also, in 308, you made the prediction that Talon John, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Black Tea John, was going to die. Yes. Very correctly. That, uh, that's that, probably based on the fact that it was going way too well with their relationships, and we can't have that. That was, yes, yes. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of meltdown, that you, oh, yeah, that's he's not He's a gunner, yeah. <laughs> Oh, later on in 312, you made the bet double or nothing that the crews would rejoin in 313. Yeah. Also, no. No, no, no. Oh, in 318, you said that Aaron would throw time in John's face because she uh, she overheard him. Yeah, that never uh, happened. Yeah. No, exactly. No. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like a huge success, but you have amassed a winnings of 3,800 points minus your initial inlay of 1,450 is 2,350 points. Very good. Which I now, over the course of this episode, challenge you to spend. Okay. Yeah, on making some predictions. You can do that whenever, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll fill them in on the database while we're going, but I think that you should arrive at zero by the end of the episode. Oh, wow. Spend it all. Yeah. Brewster's millions. I'm making predictions about season four then, I suppose? That's right. Okay. That's going to be tricky, because I'm... Well, we have some prompts, mm-hmm. uh, because some of our beloved listeners have sent in some uh, some questions. Okay. So we can go through those, and maybe those will trigger some ideas or some of your your observations about the season. That would be a nice way to go All through right. it. Yeah, let's go. Awesome. Let's start with our listener, Laura, who started watching Farscape on a whim earlier this year. Oh, wow. And now it's taken over my life, she says. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. I think we both can. Oh, and it's a cracker. 
what was your favourite Aaron moment or episode this season? Ooh, let's have a quick think about that. Um, yeah. I'm... And she, oh, she humbly apologises if we already talked about this. She's not quite caught up yet, but loving the podcast so oh, far. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think, oh, my favourite Aaron moment. That's going to be... I mean, are we talking about Aaron moment or Claudia Black moment? Interesting. Let's have uh, both. Well, my, my favourite Claudia Black moment is obvious. Is well, basically all of 317. Choice. The choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's definitely my favourite Claudia Black moment. That's just a masterclass. Yes. Which is also one of my candidates for favourite episode of this season, so... Oh, good choice. Well... <laughs> uh, well, cool. uh, I have one or two other ones that which uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. You are I suppose. well prepared, bud. So, favorite Erin moment. I guess it's one of those scenes where she's just being a cocky bastard. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> narrows it down. Let's see. It would be a little bit cheeky to say uh, her appearance in uh, Revenging Angel, <laughs> where she, uh, <laughs> when we have cartoon Erin uh, making her appearance, which I really loved. Yes, that, that was, was fantastic. That was really good. Mm, don't do it to yourself, John. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Before you go, you fix this. But I think it would have to be uh, all the way back to uh, Relativity, where she has uh, her um, the scenes with her mother in that one. Yeah, that was some really good acting, but also a lot of character development for uh, for Aaron. Where are you taking me? Back to the gunship, which I named Talon, by the way. Ugh. Yes, I thought you'd find that amusing. Naming it after Daddy. It's not amusing, it's sentimental and weak. Is that why you're sparing me? Because I'm your mummy? No, because with that wound out here... You will die. Alive, your potential leverage. Regulation field of procedure insists you terminate all hostile personnel on point of contact. Eliminate the threat. And when I'm dead, you can name your prowler after me. Oh, yes, that's very funny. Well, I no longer follow regulation field of procedures, and I know it's not by chance that you ended up out here on this assignment. High Command knew I was out here with Talon and Chris. They probably thought, send her mother, or perhaps you even volunteered for the pleasure. Did you? Thought, you know, things go wrong, we end up face to face, perhaps the daughter will flinch. I'm not flinching. I actually fully agree. Because she has a lot of really interesting uh, sort of character development and, and, and relationship development with two Johns, with Crace, with Talon. Yeah. But I think my favourite is her mother. Because, like, this kind of a... Uh, uh, I mean, military lineage story has appeared before in various me- media, but it's usually father and son. Oh, yeah, And there's something point. profoundly different to the mother and daughter dynamic. Yes. Just the, the, like, the importance that they have to, to each other and just how they had almost identical upbringings, presumably. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Right, we don't know that, that Zalax was, was conscripted, so it seems like she just... Sounds like the, yeah, that she would, would, would have also been uh, raised aboard a command carrier. I don't imagine that life aboard a command carrier changes that much over time. I mean, unlikely. Yeah. Right, the Zelbinian was destroyed or went missing over a hundred and something cycles ago. Yeah. She's been missing in battle for over 100 cycles. And it's identical. It looks identical to Krasis. That's just because they could reuse the sets that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but now it's canon. I know, yeah. Suggesting that these spaceships. They probably last centuries, maybe even yeah. millennia, before being replaced. Who that knows? makes sense, yeah. You, know, you had the breakaway colonies in 1900 cycles ago, so mm, submissions yeah. have been space-bearing, or the PKs already existed then. Anyway, anyway, 
I have a counter to that, which is the, the my favourite moment is weirdly in 301. The, oh. uh, yeah. In the sort of afterlife where, where, where Zan does a unity thing yes. to her. Oh, that where they have the little the overlap with their yeah. heads. And oh, that was a fantastic scene too, yes. And she's in this sort of silver jumpsuit and strapped to a, to a chair. And mm-hmm. she asks Zan, Have you come to reassign me? Oh. Which I was only reflecting on during doing my homework for this episode. Yeah. I thought about that again. And I realized, does she know she's dead? Or is this like a part of her consciousness? Or do peacekeepers have a concept of reincarnation? Oh, that could be possible too, yeah. Like you die and then you get reassigned. Oh, that's kind of, oh, that's horrible actually to think about. I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> right, that, that... Oh, that military life is so ingrained to you that even in the afterlife you get, uh, you know, then you get like a new assignment. Like, oh, that's, that's yeah. Well, that makes, like, death a, a minor setback oh, in the course of your, like, multi-life-spanning right. yeah. career. I suppose, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, Buddhist, I suppose. Right. Yeah. And she was just radiant there. And also when she did the tongue-rolling thing in Won't Get Fooled Again. Oh, I don't remember. That was a Claudia Black thing. Like, at, oh. the, at, the, at the very end, under the disco ball, and she just sort of opens her mouth and lets this sea slug do a little dance oh. between her teeth. <laughs> Thank you for that, Laura. Like, we actually spent a fair bit of time on, on that question, but it, yeah. was a, it was an absolute cracker. Let's follow that up with uh, a Beta Z lady who's uh, uh, Italian. She watched Farscape during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. now it's my daily escape. Oh. Oh, oh she does GIFs almost daily. GIFs almost daily. Yeah. Which relaxes her. That's wonderful. I'm actually a bit behind on the GIFs on, uh, on Twitter. Oh, you have to get a few more in? Yes. Yeah, got to get back on track with that. Let me see. Oh, she asks, <laughs> how did you get over the trauma of The Choice? One of the most powerful episodes I've ever seen. I'm a cyborg. I don't have emotions. And I got to talk about it <laughs> to my, with my best friend for, for an hour, 23 years after it aired. So, you know, we both had something. <laughs> Okay, let's let's give that a little bit more comprehensive answer. Uh, but uh, how do we get over the trauma? It's well, I, I'm very good at compartmentalizing, and and there is something kind of transactional to the way that we're watching it because there we is, always yes. go straight into recording afterwards. Right. So I, I think yeah, that's actually probably the, the correct answer. I, right. I got over it by making the podcast, and uh, yeah, we get to process it and we get to like yeah, re-experience the entire episode. So. I guess that's. I'm, I'm still on the, the first watch. I haven't only. Uh, no, I have watched a few, rewatched a few episodes. Oh, uh, have you? Well, when we did the watch parties with uh, Gigi Edgley. Oh, yes, so of course. I have rewatched a few episodes, but <laughs> not very many. <laughs> Thank you for that, Beta Z lady, and uh, keep it up with the Jeeves. We'll hopefully catch up soon. Okay, we've got. Let me see. We've got 11 questions in total. So, oh. so how about we delve into some of your observations? What have you got for us? A few little comments on uh, episodes. Like I, I mostly went through the list to just remember things, uh, what happened, and was really surprised at how long ago certain things were. Right. And I'm just like, oh, great. That was, was that 12 episodes ago? And like, yeah. Did that episode, <laughs> happen in episode 10? That wasn't even halfway through the season yet. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, well, most, yeah, yes. but mostly just like making a list of what I thought was my most and least favorite episodes. 
That's uh... Uh, oh, that seems like something juicy to say for, know, the, uh, for the end. Well, maybe we can talk about some of the the characters. Like we've talked a little bit about uh, about Erin. Yes, uh, I'm sure we'll delve into her a lot more over the course of this uh, this episode because this was her season. Right. Although you can also an observation that you recently made was that it's also kind of crisis season. In he doesn't get as much screen time, but he does get a lot of development and character I mean, progress and closure. He gets a lot more screen time than he ever has. Yes, so that like, too. Yeah. all of the growth happens in this season, which is also the end for Chris. Yes. Course. Now, it's interesting because, uh, uh, like, Lani Tupu made some, some observations that I read in the Visual Companion, which yeah. I was able to procure thanks to the support of our generous donors on the, on the Patreon. Thank you so much, everyone. He observed that Chris has a need to be in control. When he's in control and he's calm and strategic, but he made the observation... That's why he keeps his hair so neat when he's... <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of one of the motivations why he wanted talent. He wanted something to have control over. Because yes. that wasn't going to be Aaron. It was definitely not going to be John. No. But an impressionable Leviathan, that's something that he could have control over. Not realizing that in doing so, he imparted that need for control onto talent. Yes. Who inherited that from him, learned that from him, then later actually inherited it when his uh, mental engrams were transplanted after no, that too, yeah. Zalex's lobotomy. So that, like, that frustrating desire for control, like, he at least had a, a, a career where he was able to satisfy that need for, for mm. several decades, presumably. Well, I guess that stems from the the traumatic experience he had when he was uh, conscripted as right. a young child, and that, that lack of control probably translated into uh, his desire to to be in control and, yeah, work his way up to a commander position like that. Yeah. But Talon never got those opportunities. He got no. all the same traumas and none of the same opportunities to really sort of flex his growth except through destruction. Yeah. Oh, he also had a, a, a really nice observation about Pilot because he obviously voices Pilot as well. Right, yes. And that, like, a, a really key moment for him for Pilot was the way we weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flashback to uh, Aaron's past back in season right. two, yeah. where we saw a different sort of pilot, like mm-hmm. more, much more assertive, much more snippy, having opinions. That then didn't really come up for the rest of season two. Mm-hmm. And in season three, like really manifested again. He's He has opinions. He voices them very right. clearly. No, absolutely. He also makes a lot of uh, development. And he even goes to the point where he kicks kicks people off. More right. for a bit, like okay, I'm I'm sick and tired of you. You go to that planet and Out. don't want to see you for uh, for a few weeks. Uh, and, I mean, uh, there wasn't probably any threat behind it. Like, if it stayed behind, then I will be upset with you. Okay, yes. Fine. <laughs> uh, that was scratch and sniff, I think. Are you boys a couple? Yes, yes, yes. yes good point. Uh, Which is one of my also one of my end candidates for favorite episode of the season, actually. Ah, okay. So I'm going to skip ahead to question six, where we have a question from Lee, who says, My mum got me into Farscape as a teenager. Oh, good mum move. And I fell in love with it. Revisited in the pandemic around the same time the podcast started, and it was a match made in heaven. Oh, thank you, Lee. Lee is, of course, Lee writes songs, also known as Give Them L, the uh, (laughs) composer. Yeah, I love that. Of our lovely theme tune. And here's the question that she has for us. Hi, Kaki. Hi, Kay. It's your musician friend Lee here. And I'm back with another hypothetical question. We all remember Raxel from season three episode Scratch and Sniff and the deleted scene where at the end she joins the crew. So my question is, how do you think that would have worked out? What episodes do you think Raxel would have been a real asset? And what episodes would things have gone horribly, horribly wrong? Even not knowing this scene, that the last question can be answered with all of them. 
Right. Rax is the little scamp character that aids them, tries to uh, get them to do weird stuff. Is that play? Yeah. yeah? I, have the, uh, I have the scene right here. So let's just take okay. a look at this. This was the original ending for Scratch and Sniff. Okay. I'm terribly sorry your time on Lomo was so eventful. However, are you aware of the reasons why Moya and I asked you to leave? Yes, we've both been acting like, uh... Cow and chicken. <laughs> Everyone would appreciate it if you both would curb your more argumentative impulses. I realize that you wish to remain in the area hoping for, anticipating Talon's return, and that you feel they have gone and prefer to move on, charting our own course. Moya and I are in agreement. A lot of exposition We should choose there. our mm. way slowly, hoping for contact with Talon. However, eventually. Thank you, pilot. Thank you. Pilot. Can't, can't believe you pissed him off. I didn't piss him off. You pissed him <laughs> off. I did not. <laughs> Here we go. Where to next? Shut up. You guys, I mean, cheer up. We're a team now. We can do anything, you know, knock over depositories while we're this chip alone. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah. uh, grabbing Actually, that's the, the boot that, that, that scene was in there the, the, the boot crushing the chip now Raxel just runs off with it mm. oh here we go bullying there's a commerce planet only two hours away from here oh come on guys be ready to get off <laughs> and the high five in the hallway. And they're in agreement, yes. Oh. Okay, because I remember, there, there, must, there must be a different scene then where Dargo cross, uh, crushes something under his boot, because I remember commenting about his, his high heels then. Yeah, you are right, actually. But it's not, it's not this chip that she retrieves from the milking machine. Right. Like, she makes off with it, and we never see her again. She was played by Ben Browder's wife, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Francesca Buller. Right, yes. Okay, so where would she have gone? So Scratch and Sniff was episode 13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to look at that. So episode 13, and then after that came... Oh, Infinite Possibilities immediately. But no, she's on Moya. She couldn't, like, join in with the talent story arc. No. So Revenging Angel? Oh, God. That's all, folks. Well, we don't. She could have. It's a hypothetical situation, so she could have ended up on either ship. Or was there already a. Sw- no, that was on. Uh, Lomo, Moya went to Lomo. Yes. Oh, the, the, but had the split already happened there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that one happened was... at the end of uh, Thanks for Sharing, 307. Right, yes. Oh, again, that's one of those things that, like. Was this, that so early on in the season? This season is so huge. Yes. <laughs> but, but I mean, we're dealing with hypotheticals, so it might. Uh, I mean, the only episodes that she could have joined in was like Revenging Angel. She wouldn't have had anything to do because most of the the, the fun stuff happened in uh, in John's mind. And yeah, so that uh, so she could have absolutely ruined everything. Fractures. Oh, that could have been interesting. That's where the the sort of mirror Moyans came aboard. You had the Androgen Nabari. Oh yes, yes, yes. It's like the the, the the mirror crew. Yeah. She might have been an asset. She might have had some some strategic insight and kept her head on a swivel and maybe blamed Orrin a bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Well, frankly, I mean, if if we had just have to go, like I think the Ian Shu Yen, she would have been fantastic. She would have been. Would a- they have brought her along for the negotiation, though? Uh, probably not, but. You know, we're, we're thinking situations where she would have been useful or at least made a good contribution, I suppose. You know what? I think I might have enjoyed the, the, the blue monkey robbers and Raxel interacting. That might have exactly. actually, like, 
two not great sources can sometimes mix to actually be <laughs> actually be very interesting. Yes. Ooh. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, oh, there would have been a happy ending. She would have run off with them. Oh, yeah. She would have absolutely, for definitely 100% sure, run off with them. Yeah, she would have gotten tired with things going on with Moya. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I think it's like they didn't put her on there because I think it would have been too much overlap with Chiana. And Jewel. In, Jewel has In the, functionality. In, 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 yeah. The sort of, she, she, she's the irritant. As in she's right, you know, yeah. agitant, I should say. Mm. But what a joy it would be to have her around. Like, I really, really enjoyed Raxel. Right, yes. The British accent would have been a bit weird after a while, I suppose. But <laughs> She really sounds oh. like she's straight out of Mary Poppins. Good question. Thank you for that one, Lee. Let me see. What's our next question? That's from, uh, oh, from Ruth from Colorado, who got into Farscape when it originally aired and found it filled a niche of my life's need that Babylon 5 had once filled. Oh, very, <laughs> very sincere. Rewatched it with friends several times and then discovered your podcast from Kaki himself, and I'm so grateful. I never had discussions with co-viewers anywhere close to the level you two have shared with us. Gosh, he's really, Aww. he's really laying it on thick, <laughs> yes. isn't he? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making such a fabulous podcast and tribute to one of the best sci-fi series of all time. Absolutely, you're welcome. So, with the Leviathan Graveyard thing. Oh, I found out it has a name. Oh. Yeah, it was mentioned in the Farscape Season 3 Visual Companion and essentially nowhere else. It's called The Kelsayon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw it appearing on two websites, one of them French language with Farscape terminology, but... Nowhere else. Not on the Farscape Encyclopedia that I can find. Really. Okay. No, yes, the, from Dog with Two Bones. The... Yes. And the notion of competing ship manufacturers trying to cull the herd. That was in... Uh, was yes. it Meltdown? Yes, it was Meltdown, wasn't it? Um, yes, it was Meltdown. Because yeah, was... the weather in the star when the guy is like, luring uh, leviathans Ooh, into, the, into, into the star. Yes. Yeah, the siren star. And he's been hired by rival ship manufacturers. Yes. Um, no trying to, to cull the herd. I found myself wondering just how do leviathans reproduce? Uh, if the series answered this, I cannot recall. Yes. Well, so we have a few, very, very few clues. Mm-hmm. Talon's birth was difficult, but that is the f- sort of gestation for leviathans. Yes. Which apparently doesn't have a set timetable, but like which a construction not, yeah. bay. Which and, is not unusual, yeah. You know, isn't it? A lot of, lot of species can hold off pregnancy. Basically, get fertilized oh, and yes, then stow the zygote until the situation warrants uh, it growing it into a full blown uh, kid. Right. That's very then, common. I guess it's like nutritionally restricted then? Yeah, hormonal, nutritional, I don't know. Seasonal? It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I just know that it happens. Okay, so in Season 1, Episode 10, they have got a secret. Dargo kicked open some shield, which we know Velarek installed, mm-hmm. to prevent the pregnancy from occurring. Now, it's described as sort of a catalyst, and it has Moya DNA. When Dargo broke the contraception wall half a cycle ago, the peacekeeper catalyst he released must have contained the DNA signature to produce weapons. Well, that grows as big as its mother. Possibly bigger. It's difficult to say whether that was the sperm uh, yeah. that, you know, equivalent for Leviathans, I have no idea, or whether it's just some property that is necessary for, for pregnancy to be initiated after fertilization has happened. Because yeah. presumably they're sexually reproductive. Like, we have had uh, a Rovu in Eat Me was mm-hmm. a male Leviathan, and Talon is a male Leviathan, so they yeah. have at least those two sexes. And other than that, like, do you have any... Space mating? I mean, I suppose it makes sense. 
Maybe they go off starbursting together. Oh, that's fun. That seems like a kind of... That they sort thing. of travel through each other and leave their mark upon one another. Oh, like oh, no, oh I didn't even think of that, but uh, yeah. I mean, physically it would be complicated. I mean, but they do have... Docking ports. Docking tubes, nutritional tubes, which are like connected uh, to... Yeah. Uh, between uh, Moya and Tallinn at a certain point. So it might be something like that. I mean, they are part biological. Yeah. Uh, oh, and they have a birth canal. Yeah. And a lot of species use the... Birth canal, for The instance. same birth yeah. canal for... for, for uh, he, insemination. I, I yeah. don't love the word, but it is the word. It is, yeah. So, yes, I guess something along those lines. There's, prob- there's probably some physical contact involved and probably a lot of uh, courting and... Uh, gallivanting around the galaxy together. Do you know what I'm noticing about about this episode that we're recording so far that we didn't start off with watching watching Farscape? It's actually being really sensible and like down to earth and like asking the questions very clearly. That's, yes. That's not us. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, makes for a nice change, maybe. Do you know how, how whales mate? Loudly? It's, it's spectacular. Yeah, they go swimming up against each other and then breach and then yeah. fall apart again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like extraordinary timing to, like... Oh, do you know what a whale's penis is called? A male whale's penis? No. A dork. A dork. Yeah, that's where the word comes from. I mean, I know that sightings of sea monsters and stuff can probably, uh, some of them at least, tentacled sea monsters be attributed to whales' penises. So apparently when there's mating going on, there's like a lot lot of the other guys are like hanging out as well and they just kind of waggle their weenies outside (laughs) above the water. And I mean... What, really? No, seriously, yeah. (laughs) They just do the little backstroke and like... Waggle their weenies is what you... I mean, how else can I describe it? That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Waggling wheelies brings us to the next question by Muppets Sex and Trauma podcast. Sarah from the Muppets Sex and Trauma, fellow, absolutely not rival, but a fellow Farscape fancast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're describing it as we're the not so PG Farscape podcast. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they bleep out their swears. And she thinks that one of their listeners pointed in your direction, and she uh, she likes our, our light hearted approach. Oh, that's lovely. I'm going to pull up their Twitter, sex and trauma, because maybe they have more of a description there. That's, oh, twitter.com slash muppetsexandt1. Hmm. T1? Confu- yeah, well, I guess they didn't want it to be too long. A bi-weekly Farscape podcast. Sarah, oh, she's the one who wrote in, a Farscape fan guides unspoiled newbie Jack and Josh through every episode of the show. They have podcast episodes on Buzzsprout, but they also do, oh, they record them live on YouTube, so they've got videos as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So lovely to meet you. Those of you who are who are interested in that sort of thing, absolutely check them out. I listened to a few episodes and really enjoyed them. And Sarah from, from Muppet Sex and Trauma asks... Hi, Kaki and Kay. This is Sarah calling from Muppet Sex and Trauma, a slightly different Farscape podcast. My question to you is, is there a one-off character or species from the past three seasons that you wish we knew more about or had explored deeper? Love the show. Ooh. I mean, Raxel's off the table like we've had. uh Right. No. Well, one of speech, one of character. I think it would have been fun to have the Scarron boy hang out on Moya for a little bit longer. Oh, interesting. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, the one we unfortunately lose when uh, Talon... Uh, Najgil. 
Najgil, yes. I think yes, that, he was really interesting. Yes, I think he would have made an interesting addition to the crew. Could have lo- learned a lot more about uh, Scarron culture. Yes, give us a little bit more of that. and Perhaps a, a, a romantic partner for Jewel. Well, yeah, that could have knows? been very yeah. interesting. I mean, they did seem to be in, into each other, so at least yeah. Jewel into him. Oh, yeah, and Kokura Strapath would have been a good uh, oh, yeah. character. Oh, yeah, they should have brought him along. They should have brought him along. That's like, I think he would have made a great uh, great addition to the crew. Right. So, uh, yes, those, uh, those, 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 those t- to me, jump out as characters that I would have, wouldn't have mind seeing more of. For me, it was Hubero. That's the Androgen Nabari in Fractures as well. I really mm-hmm. like their look. And they could have given lots, like a, a really interesting glimpse into into Nabari culture as well. Although I keep saying, like, it would be great to learn more about their culture from these characters, but that's not what characters on Farscape generally do. Yes, are intended for. Yeah, right. They're they're their own thing. They're they're not the people from the planet with the nice hats. No. Even when they go to a planet of the week, or you know, you you, you encounter a new member of a familiar species, they're always very individualistic. Uh, yes. uh, and often sort of play against type. We have a certain idea of what peacekeepers are like. And Crace is not that, turns out. Zalax is not that, it turns out. No, Aaron's uh, definitely not that. Right. Yeah, yeah Hubro would be it for me. Oh, wait, actually, the Boolite. Oh. I would have been interesting to, to see him put back together and, like, how he deals with yes, that. Yes, again, we never... It, like, it's, it's implied that he's going to be uh, put together and nothing comes of that. Oh, interesting. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was killed in the attack of of little mouse PK Tech Boy. I mean, he gets like he, he can regrow himself from any if, as long as there's any bit left over, isn't there? No, the bits can be put back together as long as they're not individually damaged, and like he's oh. the, the the metal dissolved because of that test weapon in, in his metal rich body. Right. But I think now he's actually been blasted in the pile of organs, mm. and that'll probably do it. Okay. Yeah. And of course, there was. Uh, furlough, but she definitely frelled the pooch with her betrayal, so we don't want her. <laughs> That's kind of it, right? Like, I've been, I've been so looking forward. Oh, we get, to see, we get to see furlough again. And then she, well done, frells the pooch. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's enough of that. Thank you for that. No, that's perfect. That's just right. <laughs> oh, the diagnosis. I've got a little soft spot oh, for the diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the- another diagnosis is mentioned at one point, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think we do see one on the Planet of the Mystics, Valgon. Mm. Any other interesting... I mean... Ooh, the Scarron in Won't Get Fooled Again was really interesting. He was the Scarron spy who was doing the sort of mind probe interrogation. Yes. Uh, he, did, he did another explosive uh, decombustion, didn't he? He gets mm. blown up by John. Yes, that does happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's probably going to have to be Kokura. I had coding section run a cross-analysis on the data from the neurochip. He would have been nice to have a He would have been, yes. <laughs> With his big old teeth. <laughs> Thank you for that, Sarah. Should we just keep going? I'm yeah, kind of into might it as well, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, well, since we just mentioned another podcast, here we go. Alex G says that uh, they found Farscape on Netflix while they were searching for something to watch and fell in love with it instantly. I happily found the podcast on Reddit. And it's not a question, it's just a bit of a comment that they really, really enjoy listening to the two of us discuss Farscape, which is nice. And they say, I don't have queer friends who watch the show, so it's nice to know there are people like me who also enjoy this show. 
Well, Alex G, have I got news for you because Muppet Sex and Trauma are significantly queerer even than we are. <laughs> we just happen to be two gay gentlemen, which on the, the sort of vast multidimensional spectrum of queerness is kind of 90s. It is a bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> right, we're, we're all over it's that. A bit, it's a bit normative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a, a very interesting group of people are also watching Farscape, so absolutely go to twitter.com slash uh, Muppets Sex and T1 all one word and sink your teeth into that Alex and thank you so, fun, so much for reaching out it, it really is lovely to hear from you now uh, uh, next up was uh, Lee's question about Raxel and oh I've got one from Tash uh, Natasha who says that Tash is fine oh this is a good one when the command carrier is slowly destroying Scorpius is uh, sort of destroying itself presumably yeah. Scorpius is going around the ship finds Bracca and tells him to abandon ship. Has he deliberately gone looking for Bracca? Oh. Did he want want to keep his uh, little lieutenant? Yeah. Oh. Probably, yes. That's awfully affectionate. Yeah. That he would sort of waste time. I mean, he didn't seem to be in a rush even to leave the ship himself. No, apparently he knows that... And there's going to be his, he's going to have a private escape pod that he can use, which is probably reserved for him. Uh, yeah, he's not worried at all. And uh, yeah, he's and he knows that the ship is going to. He knows the ship is a goner, but he also knows that it's going to take time. Yeah, and he can get off, uh, get out easily. So yes, I do think he uh, deliberately went looking for, and he probably also wanted to make. I mean, he really t- tells Bracca to abandon ship and. Yeah, but that's after finding him, yeah. like because he was on the sort of research hangar. Mm-hmm. When all the explosions happened, and then he walked up the stairs and got swept down with a huge amount of water that uh, leaked from the lake overhead. And Bracca wasn't around for any of that. Bracca no. was, uh, uh, in fact, I think in Scorpius's quarters at that time, because they were over the radio, mm-hmm. over the comms, while uh, while Crace was holding his speech. Well, okay, so, I mean, it's his ship. He is actually in command of that carrier at this point. Yes. So I assume that he would, as the commander, would have to officially give the abandoned ship order. Uh, oh, and that Bracca as the executive officer. I mean, presumably he can give that order to anybody who's working in that uh, department, and it doesn't specifically have to go through Bracca. But you know, oh, interesting. seems like it seems like it's a thing that needs to be done. Like, I mean, you better have a good, damn good reason to jump into an escape pod and get out of there before yeah. before a general order to abandon ship has been given. <laughs> so you know, if like okay, if you're in a, in a closed off in a section which is burning and it's uh, uh, breaking apart, then of course, then you you jump in the nearest escape pod and. Uh, yeah, if your duty has been yourself. rendered impossible, right. not, there's uh, no dereliction. But otherwise, you hang on until you get the order to abandon ship. Mm. So I think that's like something that has to be specifically said. But yes, I'd still like to think that even if he didn't, he probably uh, wanted to keep his uh, lieutenant. It's so hard to train a new one. And, and who else is he going to explain the plot to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Franklin did sort of complain. You know, early on, I was sort of lieutenant exposition. Uh-huh. I, was, I was just sort of there for, for Scorpius to explain the plot to the audience. But then he got more stuff to do. And he had some interesting insights about Lil Bracca that he does not care about wormholes at all. No. Good little peacekeeper. Yeah. yeah. But he does care about sort of power and influence. He's maybe like an early career craze. Mm trying to claw his way up to the top and he's That's, latched on to Scorpius's flank like a remora yeah, on a shark. Which is a, which is a dangerous uh, proposition because we learned that, uh, you know, Scorpius isn't as uh, universally beloved as uh, you'd like to think. He's like, he's got, he's got a lot of assets, yeah. but he's now also under uh, scrutiny 
by oh. uh, C- Commander uh, Cleaveridge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, actually, oh, it was John who called her that, not uh, Jewel, as we uh, uh, said a few uh, oh. weeks ago. Good catch. Yeah. I don't think we do uh, retractions on this on this series. No. God, I hope not. We'd have no, a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I was looking for the sound bite, and it, it turned out that it was John who said it, not Jewel. Ah, very good. <laughs> oh, do you remember back in uh, Season of Death, there was... Yes, that's the season we're discussing. Ha-ha-ha. Oh, you mean the episode, the right? Episode, oh, the very first one, yes. Okay. <laughs> Lieutenant Cobrin. Officer Cobrin, I ordered you to remain with the Marauder. Yes, sir. However, we've received an encoded message post from the command carrier. A report. The yes. cocky ginger pirate. Oh, pilot. yes, who gets uh, shot, uh, blown out of the air as a ruse. Plainly, Officer Cobrin overestimated his piloting skills. That was interesting because Braca was so jealous and he was yes. just being waltzed over. Like, Cobrin would just walk into the room and interrupt Braca and just Oof, yeah. make his own little report. Like,. Vying for Papa's attention. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was really, he did not like him. He was like, no, this is my bootlicking session, not yours. So maybe that's sort of the norm for rapidly ascending peacekeeper careers. Seems to make sense, yeah. That you, that you find I mean, it's someone. The, it's the overachiever who get places. Yeah, but with the specific notion that maybe they need to attach themselves to already successful leaders, sort of like the the, the Sith concept, mm. uh, that there's always a master and an apprentice, and then there's there's this vying for uh, uh, for dominance. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can I can lead with that theory. I mean, it makes for a peculiar dynamic, and it's it's risky because if you're uh, the, the person you pick gets discredited, then uh, yeah. there goes your opportunity. So, yeah, uh, let's see what that has in store for Braca. Actually, hey, do you want to speculate on that? Do you want to spend some points? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's 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 go and do a little bit of that. So, yeah, come on. We have at the end of the season, we have Scorpius. Now they're not gonna ditch Scorpius, or are they? Uh, I mean, no, I I can't even do that. You've seen Farscape, <laughs> yeah. You've seen Farscape, exactly. And, yeah, well, his command carrier just disappeared. Mm. We've got, uh, yeah, Commander uh, Cleaveridge. Uh, she has a name, but... Uh, Grazer. Grazer, Milan Grazer, yeah. Commandant Grazer. Yeah, so that might be a new... I think, okay, so I think there's going to be a new power dynamic between those two. Okay, so I'm going to write down power struggle, Scorpius and, and Grazer. Grazer, yes. I'll do a little sketching first. So there's going to be some issues where Scorpius. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm writing. I'm writing this uh, one. Uh, this one down. Yeah, yeah, yes. And how many points? Oh, two fifty. Two hundred fifty. Oh, yeah. nice, yeah, we nice, need to nice. Get like yeah, a, okay. Otherwise, I need, we need to go go large, or otherwise, I'm never going to have a chance of getting down to zero by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, bud. Yeah, you've got another twenty one hundred points to go. Yeah. Well done. Okay, so power struggle, Scorpius Grazer. Yep. And let's see, how's that going to develop? That's going to be... So the, I, th- I think there's going to be some sort of... I'll give it put another 150 points on there. It's going to be a court-martial for uh, Scorpius. Oh, court-martial, Scorpius. Scorp-martial, I'm writing down. <laughs> Scorp-martial. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to remember what that means when I read it back <laughs> next year. <laughs> so there's that. And that's 150? Yeah, yep, I'll yep, put yep. 150 points on that. Then, ooh, let's see, what else is going to happen? Like, I mean, the peacekeepers are going to still be... Right, so along the lines, there's going to be more. There's another, I'll put another 250 points on. There are going to be uh, military developments between the Scarans and the Peacekeepers, as in escalating military conflict. Military escalation. Mes- yeah. Escalating okay. military conflict between the Scarans and the Peacekeepers. Escalating conflict. Yeah. Scarans, PKs. Yep. Okay. Uh, no. Oh, this is excellent, dude. You're doing really well. 
Oh, because like I'm, I'm trying to like grit and get in the mind of uh, you know uh, our uh, Dave Elsie and uh, no wait Elsie's from the from he's the, from the creature from shop. Creature yeah, you're shop, thinking yeah. of Ricky Manning, right? Yes, David and Kemper, David Kemper, yes. Rockney Savannah, yeah. But those trying to get into those minds and see where they will take it, right? Because at this point, with everything they filmed, they've already got a very clear idea of how season four is going to start and end. They mm-hmm. haven't necessarily written all the episodes in between, right? Is there a, is, does the season have a name that I'm, I'm at liberty to uh, hearing already? I mean, like, this is like season three was the no. season of death. Is there, it's like, <laughs> there's no such thing for season four that I'm at liberty to... Uh... Exactly. To the totality of your question, no. Okay. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> None of this includes Bracca, though. No. Oh, well, I mean, I, th- I think Bracca's going to be around, maybe, Bracca. So oh. Yeah, All I right. might think about that. All right, I'll ooh, I'll put a hundred points on Bracca being put in in a position of authority over Scorpius. Ah, okay. Uh, I think it's a bit of a long shot, but authority over Scorpius. I mean, either as we a, like long shots. Uh, we like wild <laughs> swings. As a as a uh, you know as a uh, handler or something like that. Like okay, we'll let him uh, back, but you but you we let you do your thing because we yep. realize that the wormhole technology is still important. But you're reporting to Braca now. Interesting. Something along those lines. Okay, so I'm noticing that the 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 wilder your sort of prediction, the less you're gambling on it. Well, that's. Okay. Reasonable, isn't it? No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Those are the risky long shots. You don't. This uh, is a nice batch. Like you've already got. Let's see. That's seven hundred and fifty points. That's a that's a pretty significant almost chunk. Almost a third out. already there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You've got sixteen hundred to go. All right. Let's see about another question because I'm into these. Ah, Lee's back, and she has a question about Zalax. Mm-hmm. Hi, Kaki. Hi, Kay. It's your musician friend Lee here. And this time I want to talk about the episode of Relativity. Yeah. In it, Zalek said she was given the choice between killing Talyn and killing Eren and mentions that Talyn was old and no longer battle-worthy. Taking into account that Zalek is still currently battle-worthy as evidenced in this episode and Eren is now a fully grown adult, how much older do you think Talyn is than Zalek? Okay. All right. Time to do some maths. Okay, how old is Talon? Uh, and uh, she's and she's talking about uh, right. Aaron's father. So no, Talon of course, Lichak. yes. Uh, we don't we don't see a lot of old observations, so we don't really know how old they get. Right. So we uh, have we actually have two touch points on that. Yeah. One of them is in different destinations when they go back in time to the planet with the sexy lion people and the nuns and the orphans. Yes. And one of the orphans, when she's talking to Dargo, mm-hmm. says, "How long do your people live?" My mother's sire lived for 700 cycles. Okay. And so, you know, 500 cycles in the future, when they're back in their own time, maybe we'll be able to meet. So there's the, there's the possibility that that girl could live another 500 cycles. And she was She was a Sebastianoid. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that they weren't actual Sebastians, but mm. I don't know. I don't think it's specified. It's, it, it, it's, okay. it's possible. And the other one is the locket, where Aaron is stuck right. on this planet yes. that only sort of becomes accessible. And if I recall, that 200 cycles after she is now, then she she dies of old age. Exactly, because it goes in periods of 55 cycles. Right. And when she arrives, she has three of them when she comes back, so then she's 165 cycles older. And then she older. has the last one with John. 
Yes, exactly. And then 55 cycles after that, both she and John are pretty advanced in age. Yeah, so that'll put John at somewhere in his 80s and her at whatever the Sebastian equivalent is of that human age. Yeah, late 80s definitely might yeah. even be early 90s for John. And she's at least like 215 cycles older than she already was. So taking that as a sort of boundary, like at the moment of her death, she would have been at max 700. Yeah. Which means that she would be less than 500 years old at the time of the show. Right. That doesn't seem to gel with me. No. Because there is a, a visible sort of age difference between her and her mother. Well, it might, they, they, they might do Asian, Asian aging, you know. Much like I've been doing so far, <laughs> which is just save it all up, save it all up, and <laughs> sort of remain blissfully unchanged and, and unimproving for, and just very, very slowly inching toward, and then boom! All at once. Grey yeah. beard is where I'm going. I'm actually getting highlights put in because I can't wait for the, 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 the grey to come in. It's going too slowly. Okay, I find the 700 cycles, I find it hard to reconcile with the the age difference between... Zanax and Zan. Because we don't know how long Aaron has been a peacekeeper for. Right. She's certainly not early career. No. Because she's already had a demotion to to shuttle pilot. Right. uh, And then a re-promotion back to Prowler after betraying Velarek. Yes. So she's she's been around. Right. She wasn't green even five years ago in in, in the way we weren't. No, but she was definitely younger, I think. Yes, I think that's fair she, to say. She, yeah, she, she, I think they, they made her look younger in that episode. Yeah, it was also filmed with a bleach pie pass process, which uh, was very interesting. But I'm going to say that he's going to be at least 150 cycles older than... Oh! Than, uh, I've, got, I've got a formula. That I actually... Yeah. Yes, I, I, I've got a formula. In the locket, mm-hmm. it took her 215 cycles to become elderly, and it took John 55 cycles to become elderly. Right. So she ages at one-fourth the speed. Sounds about right, yeah. If we, if we go for purely linear, like, not Southeast Asian aging, mm-hmm. as, the, as the stereotype goes. Right. So she would be four times older than John at this point. Yeah, that makes about sense. Just yeah. multiple, like, essentially dog years, so but about, in reverse. Yeah, so about 120, 150. Yeah, there Somewhere in that range, yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm thinking, again, based on what we see in the locker, that after uh, 165 cycles older than she is now... She's clearly probably not battle-ready. She's already getting on at that point. Yeah, that's retirement age. Yeah, so let's assume that Talon was about that age, so that will put at at about 300. Yeah. I mean, if if we say that she's somewhere in her 30s now, multiply that by four, that gets you to somewhere between 120 and 140. Add on top of that another 150 for the first three cycles in the locket, which puts her at north of 300. I hope that there are people right now just grabbing Screaming. pencils and just like okay. And I think and I think that would have probably been about talent's age I'm at that with point. You. Yeah. yeah. Cuz then essentially you can take like an actor's apparent age and like multiply that by 4 and then you've got their observation uh, right. years. But again then it also means that she actually has to be younger. Well, it depends on how old because she still entertains the fact that in the choice it is actually her father. I mean, yeah, she doesn't but he's like being genetically modified and right. She doesn't immediately dismiss it as in no, it's impossible because you can't be that old. Oh right, yeah, okay. So uh, it's a difficult question. It's, it's like, really difficult, but it's actually yeah. inter- like fun to do this sort of math. And it's actually okay. So this isn't the question, but it's wet my appetite for more maths. So I've got a spreadsheet in my research. I came across a website in the deep, dark 
recesses of the internet, and it's called uh, depressedpress.com. It's a person's blog, like they have a job, mm-hmm. and they had one post in 2011, which was a catalogue of all the Farscape deaths that they'd seen. And I took this and made it into a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. This spreadsheet contains all the deaths that we've seen on Farscape of main characters. Okay. Of which there have been a lot. What's the definition of a main character here? Opening credits. Okay. Right? Who would you guess has died the most? Well, most of them only die once. This is Farscape, though. Yeah. And we're talking about on-screen deaths. Oh. Hang on. Yeah. I mean, John's died once. Twice. Yeah, when else? In the lock. No, in lockets. Yeah, he dies. Uh, he doesn't die in the lockets. Oh, no. Oh, hang on. We- oh, crikey. Um, yeah. Rigel, I think, has died most. Oh, very good. Yes, he was gutted and right, uh, yes. uh, brought back. And he was also, like, dissected yes. uh, and, on uh, screen. No, very so good. So I think very Rigel good. Died most, has died the most times. He had his, let me see, all of his deaths are, he had his uh, throat crushed in Throne for a Loss by, yes. uh, by Bekesh. Oh, the timey-wimey ones from Back and Back and Back to the Future also count. Oh, of so course, yes. Oh, exposed to his singularity there. Yeah. A human reaction, yeah, the uh, sickness and autopsy. Uh, beware of dog. Do you remember with the sort of weird critter and the sort of parasite hunting little Oh, on, 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 the, dead, on the dead budong. No, 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 no. Oh. That's when uh, there's all the parasites on uh, on Moya, and they bring this big-headed... Oh, right. right, yeah, that thing. Maybe that's what I saw, a vork. It's about this size, naked, with a face like this. No, no, mine was more like tandoori chicken. And the parasites impersonate Rigel. Yes. Who explodes into goo, so that also counts as an on-screen. <laughs> I mean, I've got it, I've got it categorised as no, fake. No, fair enough, yeah. Uh, and then disembowelment by Zalak, so yeah. that brings him Well, he doesn't to... die from that, does he? He was dead. Stark oh. says he was dead. Okay. And then he massaged his little heart. For a while there, you were dead. No. Yes. So that's five deaths. Yeah. But with five, Rigel is actually th- in third place for the number of on-screen deaths. Okay. All right. Who, who do you think is number two? Oh. Uh, who do you th- or who do you think has died more often on-screen than, than Rigel? I mean, uh, with Back and Back and Back to the Future, it makes it... Uh, yeah, all the so way back you, in season one. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how that uh, how that all went. That's like really old. That's like episode five. Yeah, well done. Uh, I'm cheating. I'm looking at the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Take the compliment. <laughs> yeah, I do, but it's like I'm also honest. Uh, there was also picture, if you will. Yes. Uh, with uh, with Kyvan and that's, the and that's the, the that's the one where uh, they, they get sucked sucked into the painting, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they do appear to die, so yes. they do sort of, and they even like mourn one another. Oh man, I don't know. Dargo's number two. So absolutely nailed it. <laughs> Very good. In Exodus from Genesis, it started because there yeah. there was a Dargo replica made of the blue goo that was killed yes. by a commando. Back and back and back to the future. I could see it a few times. Yep. Next snapped, exposed to a singularity, exposed to vacuum in They've Got a Secret. Of course, yeah. Uh, where she's brought back to life by Zan. Impalement in picture, if you will. Exposure to vacuum again in Dream a Little Dream. <laughs> uh, that's Zan's sort of paranoid fantasy. Yeah. And the real death in Eat Me, mm-hmm. where he's twinned. And his twin yes, is of course. actually killed yeah. and uh, cremated yes. as well. Okay, so that leaves the number one spot. Number one, baby. Oh, I mean, I don't think it's John. I mean, he doesn't do a lot of dying. 
Uh, well, let's make a list of all the times he didn't die then. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we can call that our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is John, though. It is John? Okay. Yeah, uh, head and shoulders with, let me see if the filter is on. Yes, exactly. Because Rigel had five deaths, Darko had seven, and John had Eleven. All right. Eleven. <laughs> also killed by a commando in Exodus from Genesis. He had three deaths in Back and Back and Back to the Future. Next snapped Qualter Blade and exposure to his singularity. Lethal injection in the flax. Remember oh. when she gives him a kill shot? Yes. Oh, I suppose that that counts, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, temporary death counts, yeah. Electrocution in picture of you. I mean, like, cardiac yeah. arrest. Like, yeah. yeah. Dream a little dream exposure to vacuum. You actually saw his face explode. Aha. Uh-huh. My three Crichtons. Oh, yeah, that counts, of course. That's yeah, a Crichton. That's, yeah. Now, I have counted this as, as only Futuro, because uh, Neandro, the primitive version, walks into the, the, the orb of his own accord, Yeah. and it's unknown what happens to yeah. him. So maybe he's still alive out there. Decapitation in Look at the Princess Part 3. That's a little bit iffy, but we yeah. are led to believe in that moment that it's lethal. Right. It's, yeah, I mean, they glue the head back on, and it's fine, but... Yeah, it would have been lethal if they hadn't done that. Yeah. Obviously, radiation poisoning in yeah. different possibilities. Yeah. Dargo kills him in Revenging Angel. Like he flatlines while he's in his coma. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 11. In, in comparison, Aaron only dies four times. This is a really grim topic, by the way, but yeah. it is the season of death. So It is, yeah. Although a lot of these happened... You know, not in season three. Yeah, actually, that's a really interesting observation. Season of death, seven deaths. Yeah. Versus 14 in season two and a whopping 17 in season one. Right. When- Which had the timey-wimey one and the, and, the, and, and the duplicates. Yeah, so she was uh, in Back and Back to the Future, exposed to a singularity, an explosion in Dream a Little Dream, in The Locket she died of old age, mm-hmm. uh, which was timey-wimey, and, she, and of drowning in Dimey Dichotomy. Oh, oh yes. Uh, I mean, Jewel hasn't died on scene, on screen, has she? No. No, Chana maybe also. Uh, picture, if you will, it was fire. Right. Yes. And the Chiana twin was was killed by Carvok yes. in in Eat Me. Chris mm-hmm. just has the one. Yeah. Yeah, which we recently witnessed. Well, it's because he never gets into weird episodes. Which is summarized as explosion. Chris has been in some weird episodes. Oh, but he uh, hasn't done timey wimey stuff. Yeah, no. that's right. I mean, the only ones, like, the, the really weird one is, uh, again, in John's mind, the Earth one, where we get to see Lani Tupu in pumps. <laughs> a very good look for him. Hey, and even Moya has died. Oh, yes. Yeah, she was decommissioned by the builders back in Space Wales. Yes. <laughs> Rome, yeah, a Wales, Welsh Caligula, I believe we call it. <laughs> Which, of course, pilots suffered as well. Yes. And both of them were destroyed in the uh, Back and Back to the Future, mm. one of those, uh, those future flashes. Zan, same deal, uh, Exodus from Genesis, Back and Back to the Future, and, of course, her, uh, her real departure in Wait for the Wheel. <sighs> this is actually kind of a depressing topic. Yes. I thought this would be a fun observation. Let's, mo- yeah. let's move on to something a little bit more uh, uplifting, because that's what Farscape is known for. Mm, still doing the stats, though. Oh, so we sorry. had four fake ones, six fantasy deaths, nine real deaths. Nine. That's a really impressive number. Ten real deaths that were reversed and 12 timey-wimey deaths in Farscape so far. But, yeah, out of all of these, only 7 out of 38, which I'm quickly going to divide, which is only about 18.5% took place in Season 3. Yeah. Season of death. (laughs) It's not not about the numbers, it's how they count. 
Well, I timed this poorly because our next question is from Nazi, one of our supporters on Patreon. Thank Ooh, you so thank very you. much. As is Ruth earlier, a recent joiner, we appreciate the help. Our question for both of you. Season three, asks Nazi, is known as the season of death. Ah, mm-hmm. Which of the many character deaths this season was the most impactful for you and why? Oh. Now, it is fair that, let me see, if I filter, if I take the deaths yeah. per season, but then I add a filter for the type, and I filter that on exclusively real deaths, then, wait, no, and, oh, no timey-wimey either. Yeah, then there's one character death in season two and five in season three. Running by us. All right, so the first real death is Turo in My Three Crichtons. That's in season two. That was the only one there. Yes. And let's sort by episode. Then Zan in 304. Yes. Yep. Real as in the person does not come back. Yeah. Chiana in Eat Me, Dargo in Eat Me, because they are equal and identical. Yes. Equal and original. John of Radiation Poisoning and Crace of Explosion. And honestly, missing from this, I'm going to add it right now, Talon. Yes, fair point. Right? I'm going to discard the cloned one, so to speak, even though we don't know which one's the original, because, you know, that's... But there is no original. No, that's exactly... But that was up to that... Like, either of them could have made it through. Either of them could have had their, their whole... Like, a whole no, season. I agree. But, I mean, the, quest, the question was which death... Did I find? Did Made we the find most the most impact? impact? And I don't oh. think that I don't think those deaths do that because you know. that is that is sort of fair. Yeah, like we're not we're not grappling with that in the moment. Huh? Except for Dargo gets a whole funeral, and right. Chiana is yeah. really broken up about it. No, true, but okay. So in my opinion, it goes between Zahn, John, and Talon Kreis. It's a personal. Right? Which yes. one's affected you personally? And I'm going to, you know, again, throw out John for more or less the same reasons as Chan and Dargo get... Uh, right, right. And because it's the twin that dies. And of course right, it has... And that e- sort of data just can't go through your Cybertronic matrix. <laughs> and it's just immediately rejected. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Even though it has huge impact, that impact is mostly on Aaron. That is true. Well, John has his own issues with it, of course, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's the biggest loss? Like, what what, what will I mourn more? The loss of Zahn or the loss of Crace and Talon? Oh, Ooh, and that's a very tricky one, because we haven't really had a lot... I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Zahn for now, but that's only because I haven't experienced Farscape yet without Crace and Talon in it. Oh, so that's your criterion? Right, that's, yeah. More than the, the moment itself. Yeah, so and even then I'll still go for uh, Zahn because, I mean, we talked about this during the episode, the whole yeah. the whole build-up is very hidden for Crace. It is present in the yes. episode, but yes. it, if, you're, if you're watching it for the first time, it almost seems that it's a it's a throwaway action, that it comes out of nothing. Yeah, that's it's spontaneous only, at the end. Yeah, it's only in, in, in discussing the episode with you that I got a better insight into that. So I'm going to go with Zahn. <sighs> For me, it's it's Grace and Talon, and they're mm. inextricable because they mm. they do this as a team. No, that's why I mentioned them in uh, one breath. Yeah, every time. I think yeah. I think that's 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 true. Because as much as as Zan will obviously be missed, and her her death was was really beautiful. Initially, it wasn't clear to me that she was exiting the series, and I kept yes. hoping for her to come back, which made it oh. extremely sour—a very sour experience. That yes. one. 
but the the sort of mounting realization was like you when it happened. I didn't really realize that this is what they were planning, and just this mounting realization as he was holding his speech. Yeah, that this is what they were uh, planning to do, and that was really yeah. really intense. As I said it, it might um, my opinion of it might be different. Yeah, at the, after I've watched episode uh, four, and we're but we're acutely is, feeling that that loss. This was such a great a, a, a question, like yeah, which which of the main character deaths of this season was most impactful for you? So yes, that, that would be Zahn, yeah. Uh-huh. And for me, like the first time around, it was almost certainly Zahn. Yeah. Like that, that <laughs> had so much uh, impact. But this time around, like it was a really beautiful ending that was written for her. Mm. Right, really f- suited her character and, and brought closure to the so. character. Yeah. And for, for Talon and Crace, there was, there was a sort of degree of inevitability that made it even more tragic. Yes, especially Talon, yeah. Uh, poor talent. Well, okay. Again, we said, uh, I, I do believe I said something about a little bit more cheerful. But now uh, we're going to stick with the predictions. Who do you think is going to die next season? Oh, yeah. Well, for real, real, or for play, play? Uh, you can do both. Okay. You can do either. All right. So, oh, who's going to kick it? Who's I think. Gonna... I think. Oh well, I mean, John is like being particularly favorite to do horrible things to. So... <laughs> yes. There was the Society Against Cruelty to Crichton, <laughs> a, a special sub subgroup of fans that <laughs> complained whenever something awful happened to Enough John. already. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, they can't be happy. That's like, doesn't make for good television. It's like... <laughs> well, considering the state everyone's in at the end of uh, season three... There's going to be some really good television in the future, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, everybody, it was all going too well, so we needed a little bit more misery thrown in. Okay. And this was the season that started with Aaron dead and, and John lobotomized and everyone hopeless and the... Yeah, and it's, well, it did get better for a bit. And then, you know, I mean, it's a fine line you have to balance as walk <laughs> no, as a writer like to it. keep it going, you know? It's like, oh, absolutely. You have to, like, you have to make, make things go good and make things go bad again, but you can't, like change too much but i will say for one thing that farscape does better than 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 many other series that went before it when you get punched it hurts that was one of the mantras that they kept on like whenever there's a whenever there's a tragedy whenever there's a a a trauma it stays Mm, yes very much so i mean you saw that that like john's grown into shoot first ask questions later early in season three yes right when they uh, uh beware of dog he's not that curious he's not no he's a lot more looking out uh, yeah uh, he's a lot more willing to uh, go to violence quickly i so think okay, john's gonna buy it. i yeah. think uh, john's going to buy it i think actually but i actually think probably jewel is going to be the first one to die in the next season okay uh, one thing at a time so season yeah 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 how many points for john's going to buy it Oh, I'll throw 250 on that. And, 250. And I'll put 150 on Jewel being the first to buy it. Jewel's gonna die first. Oh, I can't believe that I'm typing these things so so coolly. Is this what is this what sort of cyborg life is like? I suppose so, yeah. Is it sort of... Okay, 150. Oh, there we go, there we go. All right, anyone else? Sorry about that. That's a little... That was a packet of Kleenex being thrown at Her Majesty, who is at my side, who is apparently, like, over-grooming her tummy, which is why her tummy is a little bit bald, and she has to be distracted when she's uh, sort of locked in a in a loop. Is this a household full of cyborgs that just get locked in little I software I suppose so, loops? yeah. Interesting. 
what was the question? Like you, Jewel, uh, Jewel yeah. first. I mean, I can. I mean, it's it's fairly safe bet that at least half of the cast are going to die at some point during Yikes. the next. Okay. I mean, real for real. For oh, real? as in uh, no, as in leaving the leaving the show deaths. Or, well, I mean, uh, that's up to you, but you need to yeah. specify. Okay, no, I don't think any of those are going to be leaving the show deaths. Okay, so non-permanent. Yeah, yeah. non-permanent deaths. So like either, yeah, either clones or something or right, vision, visions. Okay. I mean, okay, okay, here's one. I think there's going to be a... I think there's going to be a story arc, let's call it that, mm-hmm. which, is in, which is going to turn out to be... Uh, a uh, protracted vision that uh, Chana has, a, a protracted precognitive vision oh, that Chana has. Okay, story arc that's Chiana's precog vision. Oh, that. And it might just be, be it might just be a B plot or a you know so, uh, in an, in an episode, or it might be uh, over more episodes. I don't know, but I think that's. I'll call it the storyline then, because it the suggests multiple. Right. Yes. No. Storyline is probably better. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I'll put 250 points? on that. Another 250. You're going rapidly. There we go. 950 to go. All right. Do you want to make another uh, prediction about, like, are these the only deaths that you foresee in the next 22-episode season? <sighs> really tempting you, aren't I? It's, it, it's a little, little horny tri- trident wielding angel on your shoulder. <laughs> really I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's also speculative. You can go anywhere. It's like... That's I, I don't Farscape, isn't it? Yeah, I don't have any reason to believe any of this. I'm just like making it up as we're, I'm sitting here just trying to envision what the uh, the writing team might come up with in their... You've uh, seen th- three seasons I now. Know, but, a, yeah. you know, but it's, it's still it's still so up there. You don't know what, what they might do. They might, whatever weird thought occurred to one of them in the writing room and like, right. oh, we can run with that. That's, that's But that's exactly the... how that's, that kind of thing happens. Yeah. That's why the show can continue to surprise you. Mm. Uh, All right. We okay, have, uh, a, a, I'll, I'll put another oh, oh, hundred. I'll yeah, put another no, hundred and fifty on Scorpius. Scorpius buying it. Yeah. Oh no! Scorpius is gonna die. Oh. And I think the crew will actually have to fight to get him back because for some reason they've become dependent on Scorpius for for something or the other, and they, the crew is going to be working towards reviving oh. him. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> oh. What a cool season this is going to shape up <laughs> I know, up to right? Me. <laughs> I, should have been, I, I should have been in on this when they were writing it. <laughs> We've said that before. Oh, Lucy. Lucy from the south of England and watched Farscape from the very beginning and was immediately hooked with it, as was I. And Lucy asks, out of all the characters that died during this season, well, episode one was called The Season of Death. Yeah, thank you, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Who would you bring back? And this is the the sort of full breadth of deaths in the you know all the categories that we've uh, right. Oh well, I mean that's. Mm, what would you bring back? I think it's a really interesting question. Yeah. Oh. Because I'm thinking because we've talked about main character death, but there there have also been several several right. other ones like uh, Jules' cousin. Yes, who was uh, like you know dead on arrival pretty much. Right. Mordal, the barkeep. In uh, Sons and Lovers, big sort of giant walrus tentacle octopus oh, yes, him. dude. Could be Linfer. Who's I mean, Linfer again? Uh, she was the scientist who defected from... Uh, oh, yes. She would have been an interesting uh, addition as well. Uh, I think she has too much of her own thing going on, though. Like probably, She, she yeah. wanted to go off on a, on a, on a different adventure with the Pilot and, and Moya, who would have welcomed the opportunity. I mean, the easy answer would be Zahn, because, you know, Zahn. Yes. <laughs> Yes. That's... 
oh, but then this season wouldn't have been what it was because she's such a stabilizing influence. Oh, yeah. I mean, but bring back. It's like, you know, it's not undo their death, the question. It's like, who would be. Oh, oh. I mean, that's how I interpret, choose to interpret. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's really. I hadn't even considered that. You're completely right. And it's also the one who would be story-wise the easiest to bring back, you know, because like you, we talked about, like we we saw her force ghost uh, in the wormhole. Yes, uh, the orange energy that and, I and so know, many others had their hopes and pinned it's on. It's like it would be so easy to use that to bring her back at any time, but you know we know that it's uh, for reasons outside of anyone's control. Right. There was an interesting observation by David Kemper about season three following Zan's death mm-hmm. because she's sort of a mother figure. Right? Yeah. The, the, the the wolf mother, very protective, but also very compassionate and teaching people lessons. And the loss of that stabilizing influence made made all the characters really interesting in new ways. And he mm-hmm. sort of described it as the kids going off to college. Oh, yes. And like living on their own for realsies without their parents' stabilizing uh, uh, influence. Yeah. Well, there's Moya and uh, Pilot. Yeah, who also have to assert themselves because they yeah. don't have an empathetic but person. But they actually start doing that now. Yeah. Especially yeah. Pilot is... Uh, Definitely uh, becoming more assertive and okay, here. me and Moya think. <laughs> if if Zan had come back after a few episodes, yeah. right, after she, if she planted me in the ground, would you have wanted to see her on the Moya episodes or the Talon episodes? Ooh. Which crew would you have placed her with? Okay, so I think story-wise the, the, the Talon crew is the more interesting, at least, at least more memorable. All right, I, then she I, would have been with, with Stark as well. Right. I mean, I struggle a lot more to remember the, the Moya episodes than the Talon episodes. Well, you had, oh, I forget what it's called, with the, with the Energy Rider. That was really interesting. Yes, that is like an episode. I mean, I, I, that came up in my homework as well, and I can't remember anything. <laughs> it's like, which episode was that? That was, that was Losing Time. Losing Time. Energy Riders with Hidden Agenda copied. Yes, I... I've read the description. I've, I've, I've gone back to my notes. It's the one where so uh, Chiana is taken over by a, by a criminal young wave rider and she, and she does the weird accent with talking about the body. Yeah. Losing times. Uh, okay. Had him say, I hurt this body. Not true. Love this tight body. Oh, oh yeah, we all love this body. Scorpio's wife fronts. I'm just reading my. I'm, I'm just reading a few of my. I'm just reading a few of my notes from this episode. Right? <laughs> First one is Scorpy's wife fronts. Yep. Server rack overheating. Miss Monochrome. Electromagnetic cluster frell. Mm-hmm. Uh, big puddle for a nosebleed. Stigmata John. Uh, <laughs> life on Moya. What do they do for entertainment? Deploy him? Question mark. Dargo's nose is more of a shield. Scorpio's back to leading through terror. Uh-huh. Uh, entity is up to something. Rider bullshit. Pilot expression O face. Pike question mark. Starburst chamber is like Moonraker launch. Yeah. Sorry. Actual alien motives and actions. Ah, yes. And something I can't read. Probably prescription for Ma- whatever. Mapok Moya. Map. Map of Moya. Map of Moya. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, star charts, yes. And Furby treasure. Furby treasure. That's no, what I think it says here. Lost me on that one. No, I know, but <laughs> and I literally cannot remember anything of this episode. I don't know. It's just like it's just a blank. This does, does none of this rings a bell in my mind. Really, him sort of John sort of hovering above the ground and bleeding from the from the nose. There's also a moment where they all gathered around on a table, uh, and then they see on the recording that they sort of fell unconscious and, and did the hokey cokey. 
Then that it woke sounds, back up again. That sounds familiar. Yeah, right. let me, let me, okay, let me have a look at the sheaves. Uh, maybe that and will, Oh, yes, here we've got the big puddle of blood for the nosebleed. Great shots of Pilot. Oh, here we have uh, Strappa getting a talking to from... Uh, yeah, that was his introduction. A little bit of Star Wars lasers. No. For, for some no, reason... So you've walked through the... Well, I, I guess we have a new candidate for uh, a rewatch. Re yes. The next for, time that I, we're, I have no uh, idea, but I have Gigi. no memory of this episode for, for some reason. So you, maybe you've lost time. I, I guess so, ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so while you were looking through the Jeeves and I was just casually sitting in around day drinking as we do during this, uh, this podcast... <laughs> I thought that maybe the best moment for Zahn to come back mm -hmm. would have been Doc with two bones. Yeah. That would have been an interesting moment. Like on in the in the in the in the graveyard, I don't know what she would be doing. Maybe even in cahoots with the old woman. Yeah. But just like a, a, a mysterious reappears because at the end we we're left with all these mysteries. Yes. Quite uh, a few, yeah. Right, some of them just haven't been shown to us, like where did the rest of the crew go? Because I think it's just Jewel aboard and the old woman. But, like, where did the wormhole come from? Uh, yeah, where, where did the knowledge... suck, suck Moya in? That never seems to be a problem before. <sighs> right? Yeah. So, very curious about how that would have turned out. I mean, if she'd shown up, maybe not even to John, but just wandered onto, onto Moya after they'd gone through wherever they went yeah, yeah. In, the, in the wormhole and just say, okay, kids, it's about to get complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense because then you could really combine that with her, yeah. Her, her dying in the wormhole and something and whatever that being the cause oh, of yes. her. Oh yes, she died mid wormhole. Yeah, exactly. So oh. that, would, that would make that would make perfect sense. Breaking news! Breaking news! Stop the presses! Stop the presses! Kay, Kay, something what, what, amazing what, what, has what happened. happened. Something amazing has happened. Okay, so uh, we've been looking at our database this whole time, and we will return to our handy dandy database. But in the meantime, we have actually had a response to our little. I set out a Twitter call, our Twitter at sofarscape.com, asking for questions that people would like to see answered during season three, and yeah. we just got a tweet reply from one Dave Elsie. The head of the creature shop. Oh of my god, Sen Senpai noticed us. Senpai did indeed notice us. Who asked us, which I'm still flabbergasted. This is at Dave LCFX. And uh, once again, he's the head of the creature shop. You've undoubtedly seen all of his creations. And Dave asks, uh, pardon me, Mr. Elsie, <laughs> if there was a movie version of Farscape, which creature characters featured in the show would you love to have in it and why? Ooh. Now, I am choosing to believe that they are currently making a. Yes, let's go, it, let's go with right? that. And he's just sort of sitting around go, going, gosh, I wonder what to put in it. <laughs> yeah, like uh, he, he probably ran out of ideas or something like really, that. Nothing really comes to mind. Well, maybe some of the old favorites. Maybe he's consulting us and we have to fill this film with, with fantastic creatures. Okay, well, the obvious answer is pilots. Pilots. Yeah. Right, <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> Wanted to get that one out of the way. Yes. But completely unchanged as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it doesn't need a lot. I mean, like, I think I can get a makeover, but, you know, not... He, as in new... I mean, they have to redo him anyway, so... New, right, new right, techniques, right. new... But essentially make him look the same. And move better. the same, honestly. Yeah, true. Right, imagine if his lips had more mobility, then he wouldn't have that same no. sort of... I, don't, I do think he did become more expressive later on, because I've noticed that he's been giving some scathing looks, and I don't think he was able, capable of doing that. Or maybe that's just the fact that they, like, you know, act him... Uh, I mean, he's had a lot of character development as well, so... Right, yeah. and Team Pilot, the puppeteers, have become absolute experts. Yes. Who's, who's next on your list? All right, Ooh, let's see. Um, which was a good one? I don't remember... 
a lot about him. I definitely don't remember his name, but it was uh, Rigel's cellmate from Throne for a Loss. I had him. Uh, Jotheb. Ah, yes. Jotheb from the Confederacy of Trow. Yes. The imperfection is yours. I had it written down as well. Oh, I like the non-human ones as well. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was fun. he was fun, and plus, and yeah, there might be like it might be something in the Confederacy of Trial, you know, like where, where, where they move on, they have to flee the uh, uncharted territories, and they go like roaming about that region, which we know has powerful oh. leaders who get kidnapped very easily, which is kind of yes. weird. Well, he was a prince or something. I like to think that. I mean, maybe they're a multi-species or like a very, very like a diverse kind of species. Yeah. That they have lots of different forms. That maybe this was just a sedentary sit-at-home prince type. Yeah. Okay. How many points do I get for saying that Namtar's on your list? <gasps> oh my God! Oh no! Okay. Okay, Namtar isn't on my list. He's not? I know. Namtar is not on your list. The quest for perfection demands our unwavering devotion. This Mengele sounds like a visionary. I... Okay, I gave you the book, the creature's book, to look through, and I didn't look through it well enough myself, and so mm. I was just looking for creatures, species, on the Farscape Encyclopedia project right. where I do most of my research, <laughs> and he's not a species. Fair oh, enough. Oh, Lamtar's great. Yeah. <laughs> no, regrettably, regrettably, no. Oh, how about the Xiyang? Do you have the Xiyang on your list? I don't. They're fire-breathing fish. Ah, okay. yeah, yeah, I don't. But I can see why why they would why why they would be there. We've almost sort they're, of they're forgotten, really cool. forgotten yeah. that Dave Elsie is asking us this, and now we're sort of making a game for each other, which is kind <laughs> of on par for us. Well, yes. I mean, that's like what we do. So yes, no, they're good. They 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 look a bit dumpy, but you know, the fire-breathing things are cool, and, and it's just not. We have the the the, the heat ray scarron, of course. Oh yeah, I mean, it would be hard to avoid the scarron as well. But yeah, but we got to we're going to see more of the Scarens. Mm. You know, that's almost they're, like they're, they're, Pilot's kind of a gimme. They're the new band. Yeah, well, Pilot's Pilot. You can't have the show without Pilot. And we're, we're also not mentioning Rigel, because Rigel also right. is a... Right, say uh, Zan, Dargo. Yeah, the, the, all the regular cast, of course. So we're, we're, we're delving into the slightly more uh, esoteric ones, I suppose. Yeah, but I love that we, we both of us what put our foot down, like, definitely everyone, but absolutely Pilot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, my number one, I think, will be... Kabar. You're already at number one? Oh, yeah, I didn't have that long a list. Kabar's on mine as well. Kabar is definitely on my list. He is the Scratch and Sniff. Yes, the, yeah. the guy who can pop his eye out and, uh, like, record it in, in other places. It's a little bit like uh, uh, Ogma from... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, and Mr. Elsie, if you're listening to this, you have admitted to us on Twitter that there is definitely a videotape of Kaba lip-syncing along to I'm a Sweet Transvestite from... Want. Yes, we would very much like to see that video clip. We will we will keep it secret, but yes. it would make our little lives complete. <laughs> we would be so thrilled. <laughs> oh, okay, so I have a few more. Okay, um, bring it. I was expecting you to also have the Venex. Ooh, which uh, one of those again? They're the sexy lion men from uh, the get, time travel. Yes, no, episode, not, no, 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 didn't really. They didn't the really Vincent trigger, they, from Beauty no, and the Beast in the eighties. Really no, okay, I mean, they're, okay. they're great, of course, but you know, it's a Seer Croesus. Seer Croesus. She's the the she's the Luxon. No, Seer Croesus was the sort of mystic on the head in a box, the baby head in a box. Oh, right. Yes. Ooh, I'm not sure. I want to see more of that. Okay. Well, fair you enough. Know, it would be. Okay, so that's on, a, that's on a maybe. Okay, yes. I mean, maybe they have them, like, tucked away somewhere in, in an alcove on Moya, and so, when they're really, really desperate, they go over there and they open the alcove <laughs> and they ask to see her what they have to say about it. 
wow to their eternal detriment and they're just <laughs> as halfway through his prophecy nope that's enough just yeah, shut the door <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still don't trust you <laughs> okay well I have a suggestion for Mr. Elsie if you really if you're sort of Brewster's millionsing and you just can't spend your budget and you need to may I recommend a boudong mm. a live action animatronic boudong boudong well that's going to be tricky I it's Dave Elsie we're talking about, true, it's, it's, true, and, and the whole sort of creature shop. Yes, I mean you would need you would need the out. entire creature shop, and even then, I mean, I mean, Boudons would be CGI, wouldn't they? Unless they're like doing internal shots, no, and that's like, oh no, okay, <laughs> CGI is for wusses. Come on, yeah, fair enough. Okay, the uh, other way around. I also had the dentic. The dentic. Oh, who? I know I'm it's sure not something you've no. Just imagine, like, how... Because Okay, now I'm reminded of that fanfic that we read about, like, John frying up dentix, and I'm not really sure I'm down with uh, <laughs> Oh, he actually did that when they were super hungry, and it was, it was not oh, that very was not a, wasn't good. It wasn't a fanfic. No, oh, you're right. No. Yeah. It was the fanfic, I think, where he accidentally swallowed one, and it gave him a oh, yes, case that's of gas, right. gastrointestinal problems. Yeah, he almost went full blueberry, like that oh. one child in uh, yes, yes, Willy yes, Wonka. Yes. Oh. Okay, my number one? Yes. Natira. Natira. The, yeah. the, mis- the mistress of the uh, Shadow Vault, right? That's yes. right. Oh. Right. She's got the she's got those those claws, those arms coming off the back of her head. What else has she got? Like Oh yes. And she walks around fully naked. Like that's that's just her in mm-hmm. her birthday suit, right? Her carapace. Yes, and the weird kinky sex with Scorpius. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Because <laughs> like if it's a movie version. Go wild on a movie, even if it's a PG-13 movie. You can do a lot more than you can do on Australian television in 1999. I suppose so, yes. And the actress seemed to really, really appreciate the, the sort of creature that she was stuffed into. Yes, I mean, it was a bit spidery. There was a little bit of Black Widow energy that you got from that. but Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you saw that in the Shadow Depository. Everything was octagonal. There was lots yes. of sort of web imagery. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like... She had a sort of crab or blue lobster carapace. Right, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, crabs are just basically sea spiders, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fun to think about at all. No, I know. But anyway. Okay, so we've got Kaba. Yes. And we've got Natira. So, yeah. Do we... Yes, have we covered we the why? To... Have we covered the why enough? I think we have. We've we've we've, we've told them. We've said oh of God, each because they're amazing. They're, yeah, well, yeah, they are amazing, and you know they're just like so much fun to look at, and they bring so much life to the show, and they do stuff. Yeah, like Natira has her has her head things and and likes to eat eyes. And oh God, don't remind me. <laughs> Actually, the Hanji can pop out his eyes, so they're they're yeah. kind of sort of. Oh well, God, make for an interesting dynamic if we got them both. That'd be a match made in heaven. Well, or not. Well, can you imagine the fun that they can have? It depends on how many eyes he can regrow. You know, if that's a one-time thing. Only one way to find out. Oof, Mr. Elsie, get on it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. That was a really good question. We're also sorry. I wish wish we were better people that you could actually (laughs) enjoy this I still say we would do pretty well in the writer room. Not so much in accounting, though. Well, no. <laughs> okay, we have we have one more question. Actually, a, it's a bunch of questions from the Dirt Prime, who first discovered uh, Farscape through Sci-Fi, 
towards the end, comma, read, oh, the redaction is actually mine. Because they spoke about bits of the future that have not been revealed yet. Ah. And they were they were essentially marathoning it on the on the sci-fi channel and discovered us by our pre-airing commercial in the lookout for more Farscape podcasts. So actually from day one. Excellent. Okay. Now, these are some very general questions, which I think is an interesting way to close out our uh, Season 3 retrospective, because they're topics that we have spoken about before, and let's see if our perspectives have changed. Okay. How do you guys think that Farscape has held up conventional sci-fi tropes, but also defied them? Okay. They are one of the forerunners of the the long-term story arcs in modern TV. It's like they're, they're very much at the forefront of the revival of TV. Right, yes, the uh, sort of prestige era. Right. But so was Babylon 5. Babylon 5 preceded them by handily, like, six years. Mm, yes. With a, but that was much more extreme serialization. I suppose, yes. Uh, whereas, yeah, I mean, I, I never really watched more than the first two seasons of Bab 5, I think. I kind of peached off on that. I can understand, and it's a terrible shame. Maybe one day I'll, I'll tempt w- you back into it. Right. It was. I think it was just like circumstantial that whatever, whatever I was watching them on stopped being on my regular access yeah. or something. I mean, when did when did Bab Five originally air again? Ninety three. Ninety three. Was it on Sky or on the Beeb? That's a good point. I think it was on one of the Dutch channels. The Beeb didn't run it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The Beeb is the BBC for yeah. our our, our, our non British sphere. And there was a few years that I had access to Sky there because we were uh, the student. Uh, housing where I was in at the time. Okay, listen, how do you guys think Farscape has held up conventional sci-fi tropes but also defied them? Okay. I mean, there's a lot of conventional sci-fi tropes in there. It's it's a bit of a like very deliberate inversion of like Star Trek, same, yes. which is explains sort of the similarities between Farscape and Lex, mm-hmm. which was also anti Star Trek. Not a large crew, not you know well staffed ship that is controlled by people, but no, they're completely out of control. They don't know how to use it. They're very diverse. They're not homogenous. They don't wear uniforms. They don't agree. Yeah, and they bang a lot, and they die, and they do I mean, drugs. I and- don't think. I would almost say that it's not really a science f- sci-fi show. Interesting. That it's just a show in space. Okay, but there is the concept of hard sci-fi, <laughs> right? Which, which is really de- about the science. Yes, exactly. Which it definitely isn't. And, then, and there's a degree of fiction that would not be possible without some unexplained scientific advances, right? But try to but try to imagine you could tell this entire story in a uh, you know let's say a U.S. A Civil War period. Oh, interesting. On like a riverboat. Yeah, a riverboat. Of course, there's Moya and Pilot, which are an integral part of the story. But yeah, again, a riverboat yeah. and a skipper. Yeah, something like yeah. that. You could probably tell a lot of that, uh, tell, tell a lot of the story the same thing. How would you do the, the, eat the, me? Especially in the... A, inter- in an in a American Civil War era... Sorry, how would I? Eat me. Well, okay, you can't, of, of course, not do it a blow-by-blow thing. Okay, and my three Crichtons? But there would be... Oh, and you can, you can go all supernatural on that. You know, there's a lot, oh, lot, of, okay. lot, of, the, lot of the sci-fi could be, uh, could be swapped, swapped supernatural. around with supernatural yeah, activity. Or just eating some drugs yeah. and then having some visions. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like haunted paintings, that seems like a perfectly good thing that you can oh, do in... Oh, gothic, yeah. Yeah. But, like, okay, it's space opera, certainly. You're right. Right, and if you go to your library and you look under sci-fi, then, then space opera is under sci-fi. No, totally true. <laughs> but you're right; well, it's not. It's certainly not a hard sci-fi. Yeah. Okay, I, I find this a very difficult question too, because uh, I'd have to like, start up looking some tropes. Because I, I mean, I'm really bad at like recognizing tropes for what they are. Well, they've had 
like certainly early on they had they had some fairly standard sci-fi episodes i mean there's the time loop that was back mm. and back and back to the future there was even like i thought iet was a great reversal of sci-fi yes. shops but i think in season three they've sort of let go of having an explicit relationship with with sci-fi canon yes and season three is just farscape it's just its own thing and it's about the personal development and uh, the the interaction between the uh, characters and not about uh, yeah, everything else. Everything that's happening around them is just carrier for that, I would say. Yeah. Like more than the, the sci-fi series at the time, which was, of course, the, the, the Star Trek. So, like these characters are capable of change not in not only in terms of like their experience and personality and how they and, and their relationships, but also just physically where they are and what they do mm. in space going off in different directions separating from one another coming back like babylon 5 didn't do that babylon 5 had the central location right well Bab 5 was like uh, the whole premise is we're on this station and the whole premise right. of uh, star trek is we are going everywhere and but we're all staying together on the ship yeah and farscape is it, it almost seems you know yeah, there's a little bit of Planet of the Week. I mean, that's Sometimes, like that's yeah. a. Uh, but then again, there's other episodes which are like completely like just take place on Moya. Yep, uh, bottle episodes as yeah. they go. So there's um, uh, so yeah, I would say that they do quite a bit of subverting tropes in that regard. And on that note, says the Derp Prime, how do you think it compares slash contrasts to the likes of Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon well. Five? Like, well, we just answered that one, but not Star Wars. Star no. Wars is an interesting comparison uh, because that's also an adventure. Much like Farscape. Yes. But Star Wars is traditionally, I mean, uh, not far less serialized. I mean, there have been series now, I mean, especially in the last few years, Mm -hmm. when with the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, and of course, cartoons, uh, which have been going for a lot longer. But originally, Star Wars was more movies and more long storylines and not serialized. You know, I think it's actually fair to bring in the cartoons. I mean, I've I've just recently finished the Star Wars Rebels podcast that and I'm on the Rebel other Air. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where my friend Greg has been showing it to me. And like this aired in 2014. But there are a lot of adults now mm-hmm. whose first experience of Star Wars was Rebels that show. on Saturday mornings, yeah. right? That was eight years ago that that started and those characters are evidently like seeping back in. This was a, a way to like make Star Wars accessible to an entirely new audience yeah. that would come to fruition in, in 8, 10, 20 years down the line. So for a lot of people, like the animated series, which were not core to Star Wars for us, mm-hmm. are very important parts of the uh, yes. experience. Yeah, I, I remember in a little thing, and I was sitting in an airport lounge at some point, and there was a, a mother with two kids there, and the boy was, uh, I don't know, about six or seven, I suppose. I'm really terrible at guessing how old kids are, and he was like, babbling a little bit about Star Wars and I go, uh, oh, you're like a big Star Wars fan and the eye roll that his mother gave me was nah. like fantastic. <laughs> Don't get him started. <laughs> Trying to get him into veggie tales. <laughs> no, it was hilarious. It was great. I just had a little matter with him and uh, like asked him what his favourite movie was. And, oh, what was it? Uh, I think it was the um, Phantom Menace. Right. Makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. I know a lot of people for whom that's their favourite movie because yeah. they were eight and there's an eight-year-old in it. There you go. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and it's a rollicking adventure. It's really, really great. I mean, I, I certainly regret being a sort of... a worse version of myself in the edgelord 90s <laughs> and joining in the sort of knee-jerk derision of Jar Jar Binks, who is a, looking back on it, a tremendous, like, comedic creation by, like, a 20-year-old kid from a dance troupe. Like, 
Ahmed Best was in was in Stomp before he did. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah. Right, yeah. working with some of the the most advanced like CGI technology that existed at the time to create this this memorable character. Mm. Out of nothing. Um, Shame they let, let George Lucas write the dialogue. Well. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it holds up very strongly to, to Star Wars. I think that's a very fair comparison. Like oh, even totally. the, the initial pitch was to have like the cantina scene from Star Wars every episode on yeah. the television budget. Which is what they have. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, that's no. Uh, so is there another part to that question? Finally. Yeah. If you could retro rewrite fun word that any species design or logic or story, what would it be and why? Oh. Now, how do we interpret this? Is it retro focus- rewrites uh, any species design or story? Oh, I mean, if it's if it's the species, I would make them weirder. Species design, I would love for them to be weirder. And I think that, like, if there were a Farscape sort of reboot now, and Dave Elsie just just whisper his name into the mirror three times while you're on the set <laughs> of a Star Wars Farscape production, and he will just appear and take over the creature shop, he would have loved for them to all be weirder. No more bipeds. Uh, I think I would do the Skeksis ones. Oh, the Halosians. The Halosians, yeah, they could have been weirder. Yeah, I agree. Like that was that was a fun bit of this is this is some good fun for the for the fans who know what we're looking at. Right. Oh, there's no way that I'm gonna I'm not gonna change the Scarens. I think they're great that they're so wild. Like Nagil yeah. was so different, and so was Talza, the female. Mm. Right. I really like that. Uh, yeah, maybe the, the chicken tikka masala, the, uh, or whatever it is, the chicken tandoori, the, uh, <laughs> the sort of parasite hunting creature and his, and his odd little Buddha version. Oh that yeah, that was a bit weird. They put a little person actor inside and was not happy, walked off the set, had to be replaced. Okay. Because yeah. it was just atrocious, that stupid little sh- suit. Right. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Yeah. Maybe even Moya. Oh. D- just more of a weirdness. It wouldn't change the shape, wouldn't change the, the, the sets, but like more dimensionality, stuff coming mm. out of the floors, more stairs or, or, or... Oh yeah, there's not, we've never seen a single, st- I mean, the only stairs, the only stair we've seen is for the, uh, for the, the, the ladder that goes up to the transport yeah. pods. I think the suggestion is that there's just these, the sort of gliding ascent and descent in the, in the floors, but... Actually, no, there there are ladders. Yeah, there are ladders. But, yeah, that's about the only time. You'd think that if you want to go between the various levels, then there's going to be something else than that. Like, how does Lytle do it? It's just sort of... There's no elevator. I mean, his throne sled can fly down. So, like, all you need is a fireman's pole, and he can, like... (laughs) Yes, that's what I want. But one of them with a gravity switch, so you can also slide up if you want. Oh, well, if if you have a gravity switch, then you don't need the pole. You can have gravity tubes. No, the pole's fun, though. Otherwise, what's going to make the squeaking? (laughs) Okay. And if we could rewrite any any story, oh, I wouldn't be so presumptuous. Well, I think that Scratch and Sniff could have delved a lot more into just the sort of abuse, like the very specific abuse and exploitation of young women in oh. the sort of party scene, yes. which was all on screen, but because nobody dealt with it, right? He was a sleazebag, yes. the, the 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 criminal, and yeah, was, was bro- killing these young women. But it's a very specific story, very recognisable mm-hmm. in modern life. And we happen to be both gentlemen who are taller than average, even in the Netherlands, where we are pretty tall. And so we like we enjoy a level of privilege that that a lot of people don't. Like mm. it's not we're not so trepidatious uh, walking on a, a down an empty train station. I mean, I still am. I'm a I'm a delicate little fop, but yeah. 
Well, it's, it's like I, I do recognize that feeling when when there's suddenly like a really tall person standing around, and I was like, okay, like wow, that's a tall cookie. And then we realize that a lot of people must have that all the time. But then again, for a lot of people, that's just what the world looks like. Exactly. Yeah. But then again, it's also not so unusual for them to to run into tall people because everybody's if you're short, then everybody's tall. So, so this this yeah this exploitation I don't feel was 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 served well enough and. That episode really should be should have been a lot more horrible. I mean, we even we even discussed it with some of our beloved listeners who really didn't enjoy the episode for that reason. Yeah. Even after listening to us having a good old time with it, so I actually think that that's one that I would like to. We shouldn't have been able to enjoy it so easily. No, we should have should... shared that that particular fear. I guess. Yes. Hmm. Good point. Yeah. Very good. Now let's see if there's anything that I'd want to turn around. Oh yes, I would just delete. And just never have that happen off screen. And just instead do, I don't know, kind of waiting for Godot with Pilot and... Godot? Oh, Waiting for Godot is a, is a play where nothing happens. Two characters are just waiting for a third character to appear and just... Uh, it's sort of like... Um, oh, you've seen Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I don't have. I haven't actually, no. Oh, okay, I haven't either. I thought you were the more cult- cultured <laughs> person. But yeah, it's just... Two characters just hanging out with nothing to do and just having conversations. And amazingly, you can write a whole play around that that is still being performed today. Waiting for Godot was once performed by Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Oh, damn. Right? If yeah. I'd known that that was happening, I would have emptied my little piggy bank and, and flown over to London to go and see that. Yes, I can imagine that would have been quite the performance. So who would be chatting with Pilot? Oh. Like, off screen, when everybody else is having their adventures. Ooh. Who does um, Pilot chat with? I mean, I'd say Aaron or Chiana seem to meet me. The, the, the one, the, the oh, the who, dark horse. Yeah, Chiana, <clears throat> I like that. That seems to me that like the two people who would be most interested. I have a protracted, just like nattering about. And I think Chiana would be the more interesting one. I think the more likely also. Yeah. Because Aaron and, and Pilot, they do have an understanding and an affection, but Aaron right. isn't the kind of person who expresses that verbally. No, and Chiana is, and Chiana, and Chiana would, would gossip, and Chiana would yes! talk about people behind their back. And yes! It would be, and I bet she's the only one that he's let in on the sort of intergalactic game of Scrabble that he plays with the, with other, the pilots. other pilots. Yes. <laughs> that there's a secret transmitter which never fails, but they can only use that for non-business things. Like, you, you are obligated to let your Leviathan and die rather than betray the the communication channel that is only for gossiping and, and playing and playing space yes wow <laughs> well that's it for the questions thank you so much for everyone who uh, who sent in these fantastic questions and comments uh thank you what oh there's one that just came in. Oh, well, seriously? Yeah, yeah, it just came in. But Jess, who is from the UK and has been a Farscape fan since it first started and found the podcast because she knows the hosts. Yeah. Yeah, it's our friend Jess. So many deaths this season. Who will you miss the most and which affected you the most emotionally? Yeah, just listen to the episode, Jess. Just <laughs> yeah. rewind. It's all in there. Imagine that. Like, she sent this in while we were recording. Damn. Thankfully, we've such, already answered Such it. timing, yeah. So thank you, Jess, Laura, Beta Z Lady, Ruth, the Muppet Sex and Trauma podcast, once again, twitter.com slash T one I even know it by heart now. Yeah. Alex G., who I think should probably uh, give that a listen and see uh, some more uh, queer perspectives, less filtered queer perspectives oh, on yes. our beloved show. Lee, the excellent musician who has created our, our theme song and who performs as Give Them L on Spotify. I love that and name. Lee, it's so good. <laughs> 
It's so good. Do you see her album cover on, on one of her EPs? Ooh. Like, it's even got a, like, smashing through a glass ceiling. Like, she's... No, I have not. Punk I've, musicians. You have to show me, yeah. Punk musicians are not subtle about their imagery. I love no. that. Tasha, Nazi, Lucy, Lee again, the Dirt Prime. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then before we finish... You have to push the button. Oh! No, the other one. The other one? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. We've got to figure out, like you were holding on to. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willy. I can't believe I forgot about it. Yeah, that. it's like we haven't talked about our favourite episode. full epi- season, a 22-episode long Willy and Woody. <clears throat> well, okay, I'm, I'm going to turn it into, like, favourite and least favourite episode. How about that? All right, basically. So, so yeah. let's start with the least favourite. All right. So, Where did your Willy go? Candidates. Okay, so episode 305, Different Destinations, is a candidate. Because it's a bottle episode, and I, it's, I remember what happened, but it didn't really mm. stand out to me very much. Losing time. But you didn't remember that. Exactly. Least memorable. I've got that no, but written down. That's not your least favorite. <laughs> no, fair enough. It's fair, what you fair, could do without. Fair but, enough, okay, fair no, enough. but. Uh, Meltdown might have also been on my list. Really? Yeah. Again. The horny one with Muquillis and where oh, they're all I, over I, each I, other? I forgot about that part. It was just like, yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, talent gets like suckered in and it's. Uh, Oh, you forgot about the horny gas. I forgot about the horny gas. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> See, these are the kind of fun mistakes that only a first-timer can make. Yeah. It's, so, it's so innocent. Don't worry, I'll fix you. So I guess it'll be different destinations, because, because like it's a bottle episode in which, like, you know. Oh, right. So, but that's the one with the sexy lion men, though. Yeah, which I wasn't, like... Uh, really? Uh, it's like Vincent from, from Beauty and the Beast. A little bit. And the, they, but they, the they, they had like the weird monastery high on top of the mountain and like apparently really good spear throwers. Well, okay. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, that. All right. So different destinations gets your really for that, the season? I guess that would be my, uh, yeah, I guess that would be my. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's clearly I Yench, you Yench for me. Right, yes. I can't believe that I Yench wasn't even on the list for you. <laughs> I mean, you only dislike it because of the annoying little blue aliens. Yes, Kay. That's why I dislike it. They're really annoying. Nobody else is ever that annoying without also being charming. Okay. They are charming. No, no. I'm not uh, but, I love, but I like it because of, I, I love the, uh, the whole uh, arc between Scorpius and Rigel. That is I, very I think good. it has. It, that, that's really good. How, how how they to negotiate and intelligence does not cancel out stupidity for me. Though <laughs> I'm going to stick to my guns. Okay. It's going to be I inch you inch. All right, all right. Favorites. Favorites. This is really hard. It's yeah. a very good season. Right. Yes. I mean, I've already mentioned that uh, choice is definitely a candidate. I mean, yeah. But I think my Woody for episode goes to scratch and sniff. Oh, because I love the comedic value of it. I love John and Dargo's uh, yeah. appetizers. And we, yes, there is the issue that we just talked about with the the, the exploitation of young ladies, which is yes, but that an is issue. a lack of exploration right. in the episode. It's not like the episode itself, exactly. Yeah, uh, and I love the whole framework with John and Pilot of like him talking to Pilot <laughs> and trying to explain his way out of <laughs> being in detention with Mom, and like, no, it's really not our fault. And it's like, I know you told us to go away, but. <laughs> There's like this thing that happened and... Which was filmed at the last minute. Yeah. Very sneaky to add this sort of framing device because Andrew Prowse is an absolute genius and really cares about making Farscape the best he could be. Oh, that's a great choice. So that, I think that one gets my favourite episode of the season. I think mine is Eat Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because aside from, aside from kicking off, one of the most like ambitious, 
concept changes that I've seen in a sci-fi series. Like now there's going to be two of them and then it turns out there's going to be two of them for the whole season. It's also a really wild tonal shift where it mm-hmm. goes just straight into horror. Yeah. Like it's really gothic. It's really like the lighting changes, the music changes, it's all atonal. And it doesn't, it doesn't all land, but it's to me the biggest swing. And you know how I am. I like yeah. big swings more than, than safe no, bets. I get that. Yeah. Everybody was having fun with it. Oh, oh, I think I found out during my research what one of the gross ideas was that Dave Elsie and the actor who played uh, Carvok had. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's got this sort of brain-sucking device in his arm, this spike that he sticks yeah, into somebody's brain. Yeah, I remember brain, that, yeah. And then he puts it into this port in his own brain. And originally, while that was being transferred, like he does this, I mean, uh, on screen he does this sigh, yes. which is really creepy. But originally he's going to be swallowing, sort of gulping while it was going down. Yeah. And coupling that with, like, orgastic... Oh. And that was mm, just a bit too, too gross much, yeah. for oh. this particular crew, because... I don't know. Okay. I'm, I like how wild they went. It was a redress of, of Moya's set, of course. Like, they gunked up Moya's beautiful interior and had to yeah. spend, like, weeks and weeks cleaning it up Back again. Back up afterward. again, yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh. eat me, is it, uh, okay. is it for me? So there's one more thing that I need to talk about. Uh, oh. And I'm, it, it might just be a little clarification that uh, you can easily give me because my, my adult brain has, has completely forgotten about the adult information. Adult or adult? Yes, one of them. Um... <laughs> So what happened to, like, episode 311, Incubator? Okay. The main plot is Scorpius showing his life story to Neural John. Yeah. Whatever happened to Neural John? That's my, that's my, that's the thing. It's like, oh, he died. He, s- he self-destructed at the end. Do you think the neural clones go to heaven? Oh, okay. That was the, the act that he took. He decided no longer to exist. Yeah. Which I guess means that he needs to go on the list of deaths into the spreadsheet. Into the spreadsheet <laughs> we go. Yeah, okay, yeah that's good, because I couldn't remember if that neural clone was still around. And I'm actually going to call him a variant of John, because up yeah. until that point, like, he knew yeah, that he fair. was uh, John. Neural yeah. Oh, it's, it's the one with the spy flower. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now there are three. Self-terminated, which was a real death. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. Okay, so I'm going to have to adjust these stats. Well, I'm going to have some fun on Reddit, but we can't go yet. <laughs> Even though we, uh, we've we been making quite a lot of episode here, you have 800 points to spend on Wild Predictions. Go. Oh, I mean, I've, the only thing I've been doing is making Wild Predictions. Okay, so so far you've got Power okay, Struggle. Give me, a cat- between, give me a category. Well, we've had downbeat ones. How about some upbeats? How about, re- like, sexy times relationships? Oh, who's going to do, who, gonna who's gonna do it with whom? Yeah. Oh. I mean, not necessarily smooches, can be sexy times, can be... Uh, oh. But, like, who's going to get together? Ah, uh, we've had Chana and Dargo break up. Uh-huh. Jewel has been... All right, there's going to be an episode in which Jewel gets herself a little bit of action. Uh-huh. Uh, from? Oh, no, no, not from one of the regulars. Just an oh. ex- external action, which is going to lead to... Uh, or at least be involved with issues in the episode. So, Julie, okay, new, oh, two fifty new character, two fifty on yeah, that. Yeah, and it, I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's a long term character, but it might just be a. Uh, All right, I like that. Yeah, so I, I really hope they develop Jewel a little bit more. Oh, me too. Yeah, and that Chiana gets more screen time. And all of the other ones also get Well, <laughs> there's, there's that. <laughs> so double the length of the episode and just yeah, have them I mean, sitting there reading yeah, magazines. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, Rigel's already gotten a little bit of squeeze this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite not being a body breeder, which uh, Jonathan yes. Hardy, 
I mean, Don Hardy has a uh, uh, the, the voice actor. He has a very good memory for everything that happens in the episodes because, like, he records essentially like a whole season's worth. Oh, very close together. So, like, he said, yeah, was rather confused because he did tell Zahn that I'm not really body breeder. But then he does try and get it on with Chiana in the right. Uh, so what was going so on? So how there? does that work? I mean. They just bring him, they, they record everything and they have one of the puppeteers say his lines? Or how does that... On, on set, the puppeteers say the lines for uh, Pilot and Rigel. Right. So that would have been Tim... Oh, I'm going to get the, the name wrong. And uh, Johnny Eccleston in the, in, in the first season. But yes, the, uh, the puppeteer says the lines, which is why, you know, the actors on set, they don't hear Lani Tupu or Jonathan Harden's voice until... Until no. the, the show starts airing. Ah, right. I don't know. I don't think they do it every episode. Maybe for pilot they might. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jonathan Hardy was a was a traveling actor, and okay, I I don't think he spent much time with the crew at all. Okay, uh, so it may be that. But he hell, did... doesn't he play the? Uh... Oh yes, he Kahenu. Yes, yeah, yes. he plays just basically Caligula to meet at least Virginia. Hay. Yeah, but apparently he runs in the same circles as Paul Stark. They're both Shakespearean actors. Oh, uh, right. Okay. And a few of the others. Cool. So, yeah, uh, okay, 650 so, uh, points. Oh, crikey. Oh, 550 points. I've got to spend them. All right. Anyone else getting it on in the uh, next season? Not going to bet on that. It's just going to be speculative anyway. Two. Okay, I'll, I'll, so I'll make two more bets of 275, because like throwing it all out in one. Let's see what's going like to happen. It. What about what about John's arc yeah. that, he's, that he's on? Oh, well, John is... Oh. John is on personal. Okay, so I mean, John's John's arcs are are Aaron, who yeah. has been revealed to be with child. Yes. Oh, Scorpius, yes, about that, which yeah. is largely resolved now. That's going to yeah. be fine. That's just over, isn't it? No, of Clearly. course. Yeah. Right. That's done with wormholes. Yeah. To get to Earth. Right. I mean, I'd, I'll really be disappointed if they get to Earth for a protected period. I think we already mm-hmm. talked about this. Yeah. Because then it would that would change that would t- basically turn it into a, a Stargate. Uh, Right, yeah. With the alien menace being out there and uh, someone having to deal with it. So that would completely change the tone of the series. So so what would you rather see? Because presumably you're not going to place points on something that you're dreading. To be honest, I don't think they would take the show there because that, like, yeah, it would change the, 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 the premise way too much. Do you want to... I mean, this is maybe mercenary. Do you want to bet against that happening? <laughs> no. You can. No, I, you I'm can. sure I can, yeah. But no, I will not do that. I think that's... Okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't allow you to bet against, but this is one. Because, <laughs> like, it's in, the, it's in the credits and everything. Okay. What is? Sorry, what's in the credits? Searching for a way home. Oh, right, of course, from yeah. The... But they're not going to resolve that until they know that they're going to be, that they're going to be cancelled, if they're ever going to resolve that. Okay, I'll I'll put two seventy five on there being another encounter with the Pathfinders. The Pathfinders, yeah. Pathfinders return. Okay, uh, and that's uh, two hundred and seventy five. Yeah, because I have to work with decimals one of these days. I'm sorry. And then there's going to be okay. So Aaron is with child, which we can only assume to be true. So it's other John, but mm-hmm. this John doesn't care about that. I think. Oh. Are you guessing about the parentage? Yes. Okay, so Aaron's child is other John's. It's, yeah, it's uh, Blackshirt John, I think. Uh, is yeah. Talon John's. Yeah. Okay, that's all your points spent for this season. Yeah. So we're going to have to see if, like, the very first episode brings you some new ideas. You're going to have to go into debt, and I've, 
I'll figure out some formulas to, to, to work with that. What's really interesting about this is probably some of our beloved listeners have been writing this down and can already figure out what What's the what your to, score oh, is going to be yes. by the end of the season. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. Like if we get like if someone works it out and they tell and that they tell me what my score is going to be based on that and then I. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And just, then you try to figure out, like, okay, this is how many points you'll have by the end of the season. Okay, so which one? Right. Wh- because there's also multipliers for how many episodes it takes. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's why you wind up with 3,800. Yeah. I, I will be offering you a line of credit. No worries. Okay. Well, um, that doesn't sound ominous at all. <laughs> just Hynerian rules. You know, standard, normal Hynerian rules as we delve into season four. Thank you so much for, for, for doing this with me. Like, I've had... A, I've had a really good time talking about Farscape with you. It was, yeah. No, it is a fantastic way to spend a Sunday morning. We will be back. We're going to be reading some more stories. There's going to be a greatest hiatus in two weeks' time. Still haven't really decided which one that's going to be. No, I don't think we have. We'll come up with something cool and make sure that it's announced well ahead of time so you can watch it along with us. And then we're going to delve into Season 4, Episode 1. Not telling you the title. Oh. And she gives uh, me no, it's not that one for flip's sake. No, it's the other one. It's and that's the story so far. And this is the bit where I say all this, all the stuff. Well, we're yes. still on sofarscape.com slash links. If you want to send in synopses for the upcoming season, season, if you want to send us fanfics. We'd actually appreciate some, some, some more suggestions. We like them 5,000 words or fewer. Comedies are really great. We've had some great suggestions. We'd love to see some some more of your favourites. And now that we're heading into season four, a lot more stories are safe for Kay's. And that's going to be, uh, be oh, interesting. Yes. We're still running our Patreon on soulfarscape.com slash links. And our end credits are by the inestimable Lee. Give them L. Many, 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 many thanks. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. Soulfarscape's so, so good. good.